And remember that we are not descended from fearful men. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Five, four, three. The Kellen and Alex Show. Zero. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. The oh, Kellen no, and Alex so. Show, boys, with special, special guest, Jocelyn Scott, my girlfriend, TMI, that's a joke, <laughs> that's and John Sully. too much information. And co- co-host, John Sully, welcome back to the podcast. Back welcome again. back to the podcast, Jocelyn. Uh, I'm going to lead us off. Okay. How about Elon Musk's uh, tweet? The Dogecoin one or the meme one? <laughs> no, one of them, he's one. like, I'm going off Twitter, and then it just like blew up. He went off Twitter for 24 hours and then came back to <laughs> and it. tweeted that, about Doge. Yeah. <laughs> so Anyways. Dogecoin cryptocurrency. <clears throat> we talked last week stonks, stoinks, stoinks. or game stonk, yes. <laughs> or as people on CNBC say, game stock. <laughs> game stock. <laughs> so they say, oh, and uh, the recent game stock surge. It's like it's GameStop. You uh, CNBC boomer. But anyways. Uh, it's been a very wild week since we talked last time. Last time we talked, uh, and Jocelyn, you're new to this discussion. John and I have been discussing this a bit. Yeah, on uh, and off for not on and off, the, just on. The short version is, do you know you know what GameStop is? Yeah. The, uh, the yeah. retail store. So it's been going downhill for a long time on the mm-hmm. stock market. People have been taking their money out because they're, they're a kind of dying company in some ways. Uh, recently, Michael Burry, who's a really big investor, um, started investing in GameStop and a number of people on Reddit said, we think GameStop stock is undervalued and they think it's going to go up. Now there's something called short selling, which we discussed before, and it's a little bit difficult, but basically it's betting that a company is going to go out of business or it's going to go down. So a number of very large hedge funds had bet a lot of money that GameStop was going to go out of business. And that drove the price of the stock down and other people bet against it. Well, there was a lot of interest in GameStop and it became a meme on the internet and tons and yeah. tons of people, not big institutions, but people invested a lot of money in GameStop. It went up hundreds of percent. It was trading at like $5 a share. It went up to $426 a share within a week. And then this is the development we didn't on on <clears throat> we didn't have yet, right? Because it was Friday when Robinhood, was it Friday or Thursday when Robinhood stopped? Uh, it was like Wednesday or Thursday, wasn't it? Yeah, something like that. Actually, I think it was Thursday, but we recorded on I'm pretty sure it was Wednesday Thursday. We recorded on Wednesday. Yeah, yeah so we no, recorded on to, Wednesday. And I brought in to show you the thing when they closed, so it would have been like Thursday. I think you were recording. Right. Yeah. Uh, yes. Okay, yeah. so Wednesday we talked about GameStop, and it was like, oh, it's at $300. This is crazy. It's going to keep going. There's going to be a short squeeze, all this type of stuff. Thursday rolls around. The stock's up another like 25%. Crazy. Market opens, 930. It's going up to 426. It's about to go to $1,000. Everyone in the world's investing in it. And then the major brokerage, Robinhood, which is what most of the people who are our our age, who are meme stock people like GameStonk and all that type of stuff, the brokerage (laughs) said you can no longer buy GameStop shares. Crazy. And and then they did limited shares the next couple of days. That should be considered a mortal sin. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> anathema. I, I like that uh robin like that analysis ameritrade or anathema right so they stopped the trading of gamestop and it instantly went from 426 dollars a share to within an hour it lost billions of dollars and it went to 126 dollars that's just nuts Ooh. that was, that uh, switch is unbelievable i can, I can show you the the little chart so it was. Uh, it looks like a big M. Oh my! Yeah, it really does. M. Some. That's a M nice. For money. That's a nice. I could. <laughs> I could. I could draw that with a crayon. That's really good. 
you could draw again. <laughs> yeah, you could. So it's going up and up and up and up and up. It hits four hundred dollars, and then Game uh, Robinhood stops letting you buy GameStop, mm-hmm. and it instantly goes back to one hundred ninety-three. It pops back up to three hundred. And it's been going down all week back to bits. There's also speculation what, that there's what been would be, going on there too. Right. What would be the point of Robinhood not allowing more people to buy? Because they want the company to fail? Is that why? This is where it becomes speculative. So the head of the company, Vlad uh, Tenev, uh, the CEO, has said basically contradictory things about why they shut it down. Yeah, their releases, the initial one seemed to indicate it was to protect consumers. And now they're talking about, I mean, you can go into. Right. So originally he came on TV and was like, we shut down buying of GameStop because we wanted to protect consumer interests against a very volatile stock, Mm -hmm. which is really weird. It's like, let them take their own, you know, their own risk. People knew it's a meme stock. They knew it was risky. Yeah. And it wasn't just stuff on uh, borrowed money. It was all transactions. Right. It wasn't just margin. Not not just margin. It was. Yeah. So it wasn't just borrowed money. So he stops the buying of the stock, but he allows you to, to sell it. So you can Whack. sell your shares, but you can't buy any shares. Whack. That seems, uh, I mean, so, okay, this structure, how does this work? Because who's the owner of GameStop? Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know who the CEO It no. doesn't really make sense. How yeah. does that, okay, so how does Robinhood have such a hold on that, Right. Because, okay, I guess Robin Hood, every time I think about this, it's just like the car- cartoon <laughs> character comes yes, to my mind. Yes, yeah. same. <laughs> um, they basically have a hold on the company because they regulate the stocks, right? Within so they're a brokerage. Their, they're a brokerage. Okay. So a brokerage is for retail investors. Yeah. They can invest in a stock and then the brokerage goes to the clearinghouse, right? And the clearinghouse clears the transaction and then the broker holds onto the stock for you. So instead of you holding like paper stock, which you wouldn't need a brokerage for, you actually, the the brokerage holds it for you. So Robinhood, which has 17 million users or something insane like that, they stopped allowing you to buy GameStop. And it wasn't just GameStop. It was AMC, the movie theater oh, company. Right. That's right. Blackberry, AMC. Nokia, Bed Bath & Beyond. Uh, Bed, Bath and Yon, yeah. Beyond. Bed Bath & Beyond. Beyond. Oh, the, uh, I, lo- I love Bed Bath & Beyond. Oh, so good. <laughs> you ever seen the movie The Other Guys? No. Have you, John? Have you seen that movie? I haven't the other seen guys? that one. No, you haven't seen that movie. Okay, well, we've watched I don't it know. It's yeah. a hilarious movie with Mark Wahlberg and Will Ferrell. And uh, who's the guy? What's the guy's name that was the star guy in the founder McDonald's? Oh, Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. So this is way off topic, but I just want to go here for a sec. So basically, um, he goes. It was a blooper reel, and he basically is a chief, po- chief of police, but he also works at Bed Bath and Beyond. It's just a <laughs> stupid thing. Um, and so he goes, he goes in the, in the blooper reel, he goes, you know, it's just think of it like bed, bath and a little bit out there. You know, it's, it's not like bed, bath and way the fuck out there. (laughs) (laughs) Their stock was trading way the F out there. It was, it was, uh, it was crazy. So this caught the attention of basically the whole world. Yeah, I'm sure. And, um, <clears throat> when Robinhood stopped it, the stock just plummeted. It went back up to 300 and it's now down at like $50. People are really mad at Robinhood for not allowing people to buy. Um, and also, uh, yeah, it's it's gotten a lot of media attention. People are really upset on um, on Reddit, on the internet, mm. of other places that Robinhood would do something like this to cause the stock go down. And um, I don't know. Wall Street Bets, the uh, Reddit community we were talking about, 
went from around a million and a half users to 8.5 million within a week or so. Ooh, about a week, two weeks, something like that. And now the, uh, <laughs> the uh, SEC, Security Exchange Commission, which is, a, which is not a governmental agency. It's a regulatory agency. Are we saying down with the SEC? Yes. Well, the yes, SEC I mean, won't let me be. Let me yeah, this is not financial advice, SEC. <laughs> instead of investigating the hedge funds that were shorting uh, GameStop by 140%, they're now investigating Reddit and Wall Street bets. <laughs> what? Yeah, how can you investigate Reddit? What does that even mean? You go on there and look for Try to market find, manipulation. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Market manipulation. See if anyone in the industry was a key figure. They're the ones that I set up know. that whole thing with let's join and shut down Robinhood or whatever that BS. Well, right. Yeah. Right. And it, the hedge funds um, betting 140% of the, the float, the shares of the float of GameStop, like they're actively trying to destroy companies and they're going on media campaigns to uh, destroy GameStop. GameStop. Why, why would a government, <laughs> why GameStop, why would a government allow that? Don't you think that there should be some sort of agency Call, well, it's called the moral agency. Why isn't there some sort of thing that investigates companies that want other ones to die? Like, to me, that's not competition. That's more of immoral business. You know? FTC is not the one that's supposed to regulate. Federal Trade Commission. Federal Trade Commission. It's terrible. I mean, how, why they're would you in want? the interest of the people who have all the capital, which is hedge funds, mutual funds. Uh, it's like big investment banks smells like corruption to me. No, yeah, it's 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 as corrupt as it gets. Um, you know, another oh, thing they stench. did. So, the short interest apparently now is down to fifty percent from one hundred and forty percent, which is a little strange. So, people have reported that they bought a lot of uh, in the money calls, which is a little bit difficult to explain. But remember, we talked about options trading. Mm-hmm. So. When you buy a stock, you're hoping that it increases in value and you can sell at a later date. When you short a stock, you're selling a share you don't own and you'll have to buy it back at a, at a price yeah, a, a promise future date. to buy it back. Promise to buy it back at a future date for hopefully a lower price is when you make money. So these people had shorted 140% of the stock and it's been going up. So to cover their shorts, they would need to, that's such a funny phrase, isn't it? Cover your shorts. Cover your shorts. But you have to buy <laughs> Sounds the like stock someone back. In a- the gym yelling yeah. at one of the girls on the treadmill. Today was the first Modesty day I worked win. out. Today was the first day I worked out with these with my sweats on, not these ones. Because <laughs> I picked her up from the JC and I accident because I brought my shorts with me because I was going to change at the gym. And I brought my shorts with, with me and I dropped them outside. And like apparently they got ran over and they got all wet. And so I picked it up and was like, this shite. So I had to work out in my sweats. That sucked. Anyways. Modesty wins. That's yeah, yeah. hilarious. Yeah, it Cover was, your shorts. Cover, cover your, your shorts. shorts uh, so they would have to buy back the stock at a higher price. And when you buy a stock, obviously the price starts to go up because there's mm-hmm. more buyers than sellers. So that would, when you cover the shorts, it would raise the price. Now, here's what they did. Instead of buying shares to cover their 140% share uh, short position, what they did is they bought options. And remember, options are like a side bet between people about a stock, right? You buy a call option, you're expecting the price to, to go up, and then you can buy at that date. What they bought is tons of in-the-money calls. So they bought a $5 call option uh, expiring like mm-hmm. into February. And these hedge funds that are trying, they're like, oh, shoot, we sh- we're way over leveraged in our short position. We're going to try and cover. So they bought $5 call options a month out. 
What that means is it gives them the right to buy 100 shares of Game Stock, <laughs> GameStop um, by the expiration date if it's above $5, 100 shares. So they did that millions of dollars worth and they covered their short interest without actually driving the price up because they're just buying options. As long as it's dated long enough out, it's like into February or early March, then it won't drive the price up, but they're actually covered. On their short interest. That's strange. Thoughts, John, on that? <clears throat> no. No. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so the prices continue to go down. The short interest is at fifty percent uh, non-covered, apparently, and um, yeah, and it's uh, it's riled up Wall Street a lot. That's all they've been talking about. There also was this campaign, and no one knows where it came from, but all the major finance news people said Reddit has moved on from GameStop and is now spiking silver. Investments spiking in silver. silver. Interesting. That's not a bad investment, silver. Never loses its value, just like salt and gold. I like salt <laughs> over gold. Continue. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. Salt is tasty. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. But here's the thing. No one on Reddit was posting anything about silver. Interesting. It was really weird. On Monday... Which doesn't make... I mean, it doesn't even fit Wall Street Bets game. They don't talk about investing in a commodity. Right, and there were all these, yeah, exactly. Especially a commodity that big. Like you're oh, not yeah. going to beat the short interest in silver. No, and Wall Street Bet's <laughs> whole thing is that it's all options and shorts and high risk short term stuff. They like are explicitly not even about holding regular stocks. They're a fairly specific. So I don't know. Maybe our investing was talking about silver. I don't Possibly, know. <laughs> yeah. And all these, so CNBC, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, like. On Monday, out of nowhere, there was no, I saw no one. I had been following Wall Street Bets. I've been following our session investing, our session stocks. No one was talking about silver. And then all of a sudden, it was Reddit's moved on from GameStop and it's pumping silver. Now, uh, SLV futures on silver. One of their major shareholders is the exact same hedge fund that shorted GameStop, Melvin Capital. Meaning... They had taken a bigger stake in silver and then paid CNBC, Wall Street Journal, and all these other guys to say Reddit was, you know, moving on to silver to try and get people to buy their position in silver and increase its price. This is why I think we should have just stayed with barter. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I'm telling you, man. Money screws up. I don't know. Currency definitely has its uh, value. We're going to use, we'll use the cup analogy again, right? So you have. This is your silver share, right? And um, no one's paying attention to it. And then you go to, you pay Jocelyn $10, you pay John $10 at Wall Street Journal and New York Times to say, Redditors, move on to silver. And I'm the Reddit, well, I'm I'm just a trader who's not on Reddit. And I'm like, oh, well, Reddit pumped GameStop. I'm going to go buy silver. Uh, oh, yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome. Okay, guys, who are hearing on audio, this is a... <laughs> federal victory note that has Donald J. Trump on the front Wait, and it I says 2016 this. America will no longer settle for anything but the best and the nation will dream big bold and daring <laughs> dude I want you to pay for something with that uh, dude I would I would <clears throat> that is funny so yeah that's our that's our silver future that's our right mascot there. That's pretty sick so there's a lot of misinformation there's a lot of lies there's a lot of um, allegedly stock manipulation there's been something that I have no idea about, and people have said, well, I don't have, I have some idea about it. So they, they accuse, there's a thing called failing to deliver with shares. Mm-hmm. We're getting more technical stocks. No, I like again. this. I like this. All right, good. I'm just trying to, for our, our listeners who are not super like into stocks or whatever, maybe the, 
the crux of all this is the evil of our current financial system. <laughs> right? I like that. So let's just take this as a demonstration of its evil. Yeah. So, and John can, can correct me on this. There's been speculation as to a type of, um, uh, what would you call it? Market manipulation or strategy that hedge funds can do. And remember, hedge funds are basically, they have billions of dollars in assets and then they do things like short sell. High stakes things, investors. High stakes investors with lots of money. As institutions, Melvin Capital, BlackRock, um, uh, yeah, Citadel. So one of the things that they can do is what's called a short ladder attack. And it's alleged. So it's... Uh, Same hmm. thing with them floating. We don't know that they... We don't know all the numbers. We, we don't yet. know that they were naked shorting. But yes. it, like, we don't know that they're laddering that I know of. <clears throat> so this is semi-illegal if you get caught. So basically what it is is... Uh, you have hedge fund A and hedge fund B, so me and you. We both hold around $250 million in GameStop shares. Now, what we can do is basically sell the shares to each other at lower and lower prices. So instead, let's say the bid price is at $250. Well, I bid you $248.6 on 100 shares, and you bid me and you accept, and then you bid me $246 on shares, and you do that rapidly with computers over and over again. And because we're selling to each other and no, it doesn't look like anybody's buying at a higher price, it'll artificially drive the shares down. Now, it's alleged because it's really hard to, uh, to prove it. Now, one of the ways you can um, maybe tell that this is happening is fail to deliver um, shares. So when you do that type of strategy, the shares actually don't change hands. You just fail to deliver the shares after two days. So the money changes hands, but it ends up in the same hands. And then both of you hold on to the same amount of shares. But what you've done is you've lowered the price. Mm. It's extremely illegal, but it's also very hard to prove. Why would you lower the price of that? Like Because they're holding massive short positions. Okay. Because what yeah. they want to do is have people who are holding on to the shares go look look at their yeah. phone in the morning and say, oh, crap, my shares are now worth, instead of worth $200, yeah. now they're worth mm -hmm. $150. I just lost yeah. $50. They yeah. want it to go down, and this makes it go down and also scares the retail investor, hopefully. Yeah. To make them pull out to drive it down back again. Hmm. And there's there's a lot we don't know. Like mm -hmm. I we we don't we can't really prove that it wasn't just retail investors selling a lot of their shares. And it's also possible the fails to deliver on GameStop are way higher than other companies. So you can kind of speculate, but unless you're inside Melvin Capital or inside a hedge fund that's uh, with a huge short position. There's not much of a way we can know, and there's nothing you can really do about it. And, and this is the thing that I think, so remember, retail investors are people like us who are broke losers, right? You know, <laughs> well, not like well, GameStop, uh, not, not, uh, not, not huge hedge fund executives. So <laughs> yeah. the guy, uh, Gabriel Plotkin, who's the uh, Melvin Capital, he's um, been paying, to this, paying attention to this probably pretty closely. He's lost 53% of his uh, amount, but he's currently building a $44 million house in Miami, so... He's got other things to attend to, and that's going to keep going. You know, he's still going to get paid, which is why I call us, us broke losers. Retail investors, though, the reason why this is such a big deal is they're realizing they don't play by the same. They don't play the same game that people who have actual money play by. If I lose money, I don't. If I start losing money on a stock, it doesn't magically get blocked by all the major brokerages. Yeah. Yep. If my plays don't work out, I don't get bailed out by the government. This is so sketch. 
Well, it's, the scariest thing about all this is that the just amount of money that goes into this. I mean, companies are fine or those massive hedge funds or whatever. They, you know, $250 million. And like, okay, that's normal for us. Like, just this crazy. is just wild. Sitting yep. at the calf the other day, I was just sitting there and like listening to just all these conversations about, yeah, the GameStop and just all the stock markets. And it's like, you know, obviously it's it's dense and stuff, but it's like, not only is it so hard to comprehend and stay on top of, but you're like risking so much, you know, like. With people were much- talking about it in the calf? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I've, I've been hearing this all over. I was with a few people. I can't remember who it was. It was a few people I didn't know, but. Um, yeah, they're just talking about GameStop and the stocks, and and I guess they had some sort of thing where they they put in like bets, and I don't understand the whole system because I don't sure. do the trading and stuff. But it's just like, what the heck? Just all of that stuff in jeopardy. You're just watching the mark. Oh, it's crazy. It's so sketch. It's freaky. <laughs> it's so. It's what it is. Like everything's in jeopardy. Like all the time. Yep. Like you never know. Like you have to be careful where you invest. I mean, it, investing in your little whole, whole stock market. That's. Like, you should really know. Like, I have a friend, actually, well, my sister's boyfriend, he is, like, brilliant with stocks. Like, he knows all the different types of, you know, everything we're talking about. He knows he's smart. He can kind of predict where things are going to go, and he'll put money in that company. I mean, if you do it right, you can make some serious money, and it's, like, free money, basically. That's, you know, that's how it works. If you think about it, you put in a certain amount, and then all of a sudden it starts getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Just like, this is great. I mean, can you, like I said before, if you invested in Apple right when it started, checks coming in rapidly, <laughs> lots of money, free money. <laughs> well, we can talk about, you know, the, uh, well, we, the free you're, money part of it, we can get to maybe. You are assuming about. risk, but you yeah, are you're growing assuming, your money. You're assuming yeah, a lot yeah. of risk. Yeah, you're assuming a lot of risk. A lot of numbers and stuff, but. Maybe from the a, stock market in general, a lot of numbers and stuff. Yeah, a lot of, a lot numbers, of numbers and stuff. <laughs> but I think this phenomenon of, you know, even people at Franciscan in the calf yeah. talking about it is novel. Like, I can't remember, probably 2008 maybe was the last time that people were talking about stocks in general in the in the mass public in this type of way. And um, hopefully people get a little bit more educated about it. I know I've, I've learned a, a whole ton. I'm extremely new to this stuff and there's a ton I have no idea about. Um, but uh, I think one of the reasons people were got, it got so much attention is, is things like Robinhood shutting down, buying shares, things like 140% short interest, things that are um, very obviously pretty corrupt. <laughs> And people are like, oh, these guys are making real money and I'm, you know, slaving away for 50K a year or something like that. Like, how does this, how does this square? Yeah. There's like a whole class of people who play their own game that they can't lose and then just push money around. And that's what they do. And they make large amounts of capital. And then there's rest of people who have to work their nine to fives or whatever. I don't know. And then there's this general um, add on top of that our generation who has more student debt than any other generation previously. And then you have like the, the prominence of the the Marxism in colleges and universities. Um, I wonder why. Indoctrination. Right. And, uh, and you got a recipe for uh, whatever, whatever's (laughs) happening now, um, whatever you want to classify this, but more people are getting educated about it. I don't know. Where, Where does this go, John? How does the story continue to play out? We see the historical dialectic of class. No. 
The proletariat will rise up. <clears throat> we're going to have another French Revolution. John, you predict that? Uh, we're Americans, not French, so. American Revolution. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have That's another so American hard. Revolution. It's just crazy because, yeah, like listening to the people in the calf, like, I mean, granted, a lot of the people that were talking about this were like your business majors or like, you know, in the stuff that just makes absolutely no sense to me. But like, it was so interesting because they were already making like, I think they had, I don't know if it was like whatever, what is Robinhood? Like, forgive my stupidity. Uh, a but. brokerage. So, okay. so it's an app where you can go and buy options or buy shares or. Because like I'm wondering if that's what these kids had that I was talking yeah. to. Because yeah. I think that they were talking about like, oh, these things went up or whatever and talking about the GameStop thing. It's just crazy because I'm like, yeah, like you were saying, like, you know, some of us are working our butts off to just like get by. But then you can have these like crazy smart people that are consistently just riding like, yeah, the market and whatever and just these crazy numbers. I don't even know how you can keep up with that. That's crazy. It confuses me a lot. I don't really understand it. My question is why GameStop? Why would, why, okay, we, under, we understand, we, we'll go to you in a sec. We, we understand that a lot of games are going online. You know, the whole digital <laughs> thing, you can just buy it online. I personally like more going into the store and like going, it, it feels more authentic. And, Having a tangible thing talking <clears throat> to a human yes, being. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. By the way, I'm going to say this once and you'll never hear me say this again. I... There's if there's one thing I hate about companies, it's the automated voice service. <laughs> I think that is the most annoying. I think that the person who created that should be hanged. <laughs> I hate it. You don't like I have to talk. I have to talk to a human being, okay. and they go, "Please hold, like, hold what? <laughs> like, damn you, hold, whoever hold created that." <laughs> Hold okay. Over a damn hour Hold the line. Everybody loves video games, at least a lot of people, and I think that's very, why. Very big industry. My sister used to to um, bring lunch to the executives of Xbox because she used to work in Microsoft or oh, whatever. Yeah. That was pretty cool. Um, <laughs> okay. Yes, games going digital, and now we see GameStop. But GameStop is all over the world. I've been to GameStop in Poland. Really? Yes, Game I went actually, there. actually, I think, kind of a thing in Poland. Uh, the website GOG, which is kind of like Steam, is based out of Poland. Yeah. Mm. So there, you know, because their currency is called Jloty, it's four to one. So basically, if there's a $500 Xbox, a new one, in Poland, it's 125 and The problem is everything's in Polish. Yeah, <laughs> that's a tough one. So, is, tough. is Xbox region locked too, or anything like that? Like, can you? I run? don't think so. Oh, okay, because Nintendo does that, where their different consoles or a lot of the new ones are region locked, so you well, can Nintendo's only do... for grandmas. I mean, that's back no, 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 in the nineteen no, forties. No. Whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. No, no, no. I'm just saying, I love Nintendo. Nintendo's great. I'll be, I'll, be, I'll be a grandma for Nintendo. But that, I'm just telling you. Girl, I'll be a grandma for you. <laughs> no, 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 no. Nintendo is great. It's one of my favorites. The old Nintendo 64, man, where you got that controller. Dude, that was some fun Pretty much stuff. the greatest controller ever. Right? It, is, it, is the, it is the greatest. It is the greatest controller ever. Nintendo's not for grandmas. It's, joystick it's awesome. in the middle. The I know. It's like a piece of messed up fried chicken. Like, it's yeah. just like, let's make an M. Uh, two, one. I don't know. Okay, imagine this. So, my predictive powers of what will happen next. <clears throat> Which? Uh, you study GameStop. philosophy. You always make predictions. 
So we've seen this entire week. It's been decimated. I mean, it's went from 300 or so to $50 today as we're speaking on Jeez. Thursday, February 4th. Uh, next week, the shorts all cover all their positions and buy tons of stock and it goes to $1,000. Oh. And then everyone who is in gets out of their positions. You're predicting that next week? That'll never happen. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Probably won't, right? Um, now, people are saying, oh, I'm holding the stock and all this type of stuff, but I don't know. I, I think there's too many... There's probably just too many derivatives yeah. for it to ever. They can just figure out ways to kill the momentum. A hilarious scenario I thought of is they somehow get out of this and then immediately take up a short positions again because it'll start going down again. Oh, and if no. this was just a cycle, <laughs> that'd be, that'd pretty be funny. so funny. That'd be really Meme funny. stock, you know, send Meme it, stock. send it to the sky, and then push it all the way down. Well, people bring, are going to be taking bring, out puts and short positions because it's going to go back down. Bring a meme lord. Here, here's okay. So 2008. Let's go to the 2000, 2008 housing crisis. Um, we've explained this a little bit before, but uh, remember when we had we talked about like okay, if if the stock market was you buy a share, you can't sell for six months, and then past six months you can choose whether you want to sell it, you want to keep holding it, you like the company, whatever you need to do. We like the stock. We like the stock, right? <laughs> so that whole thing. You buy a share of Apple. And then five years from now, it's gone up 500%. And then you you get out for how much it's worth because you you think it's at the top or you just don't want to hold the investment anymore. Okay, that'd be fine. You're investing directly in the company. Let's say they pay dividends too. Uh, Mark Cuban actually just talked about this. He came on Reddit and just didn't ask me anything. But he said, on stocks that don't have dividends... What you're hoping is other people will pile on because they think it's yeah, a valuable you're company. For long-term growth, if you want to make anything there. Yeah, <clears throat> long-term growth like that the, other investors exactly. want to invest in, and then you sell at a later date. So you sell yes. it to somebody else who, right? It's a little bit different than if it pays dividends. Now, let's if that was the market six months out the line, then you would see people investing in good companies and then staying with them. Now. Let's let's talk about all the derivative things you can do in the stock market from just buying and selling a stock. Let's say you have a time limit. Shorting a stock, right? Where you can actively bet against a company by selling the stock and hoping it goes down. Uh, let's do another one. All the derivative market with options, which uh, the derivative market is actually way larger than the actual stock market, way bigger than the bond market, way it's bigger like than all of quadrillion them. now. Something like that. Yeah, it's it's valued at like one quadrillion if if all the options and all that type of stuff. So it's an extra leverage. A number so big it doesn't even affect me because I can't comprehend it. Yeah, exactly. yeah, right. <laughs> quadrillion is that four trillion? No, four trillion is four trillion. I think that's what is it? That would be quad a means four or something like Wouldn't that. Would be a trillion. Thousand trillion. It's something ridiculous, yeah. right? <clears throat> so derivative market. Let's just take a derivative of stocks. So there's options. So then the options, call options, put options, there's debit spreads, there's all these different things that you can leverage with puts and calls, short selling. And that's just the stock market. And that's valued at tons and tons of money. And uh, and then let's say the 2008 housing crisis, that was due to um, collateralized debt obligations, which are extremely complex. If you think this situation is complex, it's short selling. So basically the housing market, all these big banks had lend have mortgages, right? One of the ways they make money is mortgages on houses. So let's say you're taking out a mortgage on a million dollar house and you're paying whatever it was an interest each year and you're paying your mortgage and the interest. Uh, 
and you're trying to pay it off. So what they did is uh, the American housing market has been expanding since like the 1950s. It's always been going up. So investment banks have been making more and more money off of it. Now, what they realized is uh, they got from like 2000 to 2008, they got really greedy. And instead of being very cautious about who they give big mortgages to, they gave enormous mortgages, right? So Kellen is like, almost unemployed. He makes like $20,000 a year. He's, he lives in uh, the great state of Florida. And uh, you had just migrated from Cuba. And you want to buy, uh, you go to the bank and they say, oh, you want a house? And you're like, yeah, we'll take a house. And he's like, why don't you take this million dollar house here in uh, that this new development in Florida? And you say, <laughs> would I qualify them. for that? I make 20K a year. I'm from Cuba. I'm do I qualify? <laughs> do I qualify? Yeah, and they say, exactly. Oh, absolutely. Sorry, Sign right racist. here, please. <laughs> yeah, and they say, and it's, uh, oh, what? I can't remember the exact. Shout uh, out Marco Rubio. Kind of tired, but yeah, the ones that restructure. Or, right. Yeah. yeah. Adjustable <laughs> mortgage. Adjust, yeah. Adjustable rate mortgage. Adjustable. So they there sign you, you on an adjustable rate mortgage on a million dollar house. So it, it, like extravagant interest, and it can go up if the price of the house goes down. Oh, Is great. that right? Yeah. Something like that. So it's adjustable rate. But you don't care. You have a million dollar house. You barely speak English and you're making 20K a year, right? So, Damn right, baby. So you got this big house and all this type of stuff. So they're playing this game from like 2005, 2008, and they're raking in the cash because they're getting all this stuff. Well, for mortgages, there's a default rate, right? So let's say there's a thousand people and there's maybe five who can't pay their mortgage for the month. Well, then the bank doesn't make the money on the mortgage and they're on the hook for that. And if that happens over and over, then they have to repossess the house and then try and sell it again, right? That's a foreclosure, all that type of stuff. Well, <laughs> the banks have been greedy, hadn't been checking if people actually have positive cash flow, are giving 0% down payment mortgages, are, are just allowing these huge- These high-risk mortgages. Super high-risk, yeah. huge mortgages for people who don't <clears throat> qualify. And um, and it looks, and they, they don't realize, but- a lot of these mortgages are going to default. Well, a number of people, Michael Burry, um, uh, I, what was it? Not not Citigroup. There was another investment hedge fund, whatever, realized that the housing market was a bubble, meaning the um, the mortgages were going to default. So they, the banks have gotten had gotten greedy with it, and they started selling. They would take all these mortgages. And they would um, all these mortgages would be put together in a collateralized <laughs> debt obligation. So it's this package. So imagine you have a hundred mortgages. You throw them all together in this like little package, and then you can sell that to somebody as a bond. And they'll pay um, what is it interest on it, right? You 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 pay interest on the bond, and uh, you receive interest each month as part of the mortgage. And if it defaults, then you're on the hook for the default. So those are the collateralized debt obligations. And then they made synthetic CDOs. So not only will you be able to, let's say I had a CDO which had 100 mortgages in it that were rated at a, let's say it's a AAA rating. So it's a, a 3% annual and it's 3% um, annual interest and it is not going to default. It's very rarely going to default. If it was a, a B rating mortgage, it's more likely that it would default. So you say, oh, I want to buy your CDO. And I say, okay, great. Here it is. And you buy it for some price. And then you get a percentage of it. And I get a percentage of it. As long as people within this CDO actually pay their mortgage. If they don't, then I'm screwed and you're screwed. Uh, so you bought the CDO. 
Now, what you do is you want to make more money, so you make a synthetic CDO. So I you lend it out to I lend it out to you. You're going to lend it out to Jocelyn. And now it's a synthetic CDO because not only do you owe me it, now Jocelyn owes you, owes me it. <laughs> now Jocelyn's like, hey, he is making money. So he, she lends it out to John. And this is this triple A rating bond has just been synthetically sent between four people. And what's within this is just 100 people paying their mortgages yeah. in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> so they kept playing this game. And the ratings companies That's the big weren't part. Yeah. the ratings companies. So there's these regulatory uh, committee like Standard & Poor, Moody's, who go and look at these bonds. And they say, hmm, that looks like a AAA rating. It looks pretty safe. It's actually the safest. This isn't going to default. All 100 people are actually going to pay their mortgage on time. And you're like, sick. So it's not risky, so you get low interest. So it's like, let's say 3, 3%. And then you do the synthetic CDO thing. You sell your CDO, whatever. Now, what they didn't realize is the the ratings companies weren't actually rating the bonds accurately. Or a lot of them, yeah. They were taking the very, very bad, the, the stuff they could not sell in these CDOs, clumping them together in a new thing and selling that. And for some reason, the ratings companies were giving them high ratings on these, what should have been, because they the actual mortgages in them were kind of shit mortgages with, that should have been rated low and they couldn't sell them in the first place. I think... Big short, the movie uses the analogy of a stew. You take all your old fish, throw it in a stew, and now it's a new stew. It's great. I messed up. So a mortgage-backed, so there's mortgage-backed securities. Collateralized debt obligations is taking a number of mortgage-backed securities and then putting them together. But so let's say you have a mortgage-backed security that's selling, that's that's a double B rating. It's above a B, but it's it's a double B. And you're like, dang, this is, you know, it seems like it's, it's it's getting more interest because it's higher risk, but it's more likely to default. Well, what they were doing is taking multiple double B bonds, putting them together into a collateralized and a debt obligation, or whatever, and getting an A rating on stuff that was actually made of two double B ratings. Oh no! But they were getting an A rating because they went to Moody's. Moody's like, "Huh, this is full with so many stuff. I can't tell what it is." <laughs> but really, what it's made up is is double B rating bonds. So then, once again, the 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 cup, which is re- representing our uh, collateralized debt obligation, was passed around by a bunch of banks and people were making money. Now, a few hedge funds realized, like, actually, Michael Burry and then another, a few others around the country uh, realized that he, he actually went through and looked at all the mortgages in the collateralized debt obligations and like, holy crap, these are garbage. Like, people aren't actually paying these. And yet the ratings companies are still rating these fine. The defaults are going to rack up eventually. The defaults are going to rack up eventually. Now, remember, the game we've just played involves all of us because it involves me, the bank who originally made the mortgage back security. Then it also me- means me, the bank who put the mortgage back securities into a bigger one with an overrating than what it should have. And then I lent it out to you, who then lent it out to Jocelyn, who then lent it out to John. We all owe each other in this collateralized debt obligation that's synthetic. And if this ends up being garbage, we're on the hook for like billions of dollars collectively, <laughs> which you're going to owe me, which she's going to owe you and which John's going to owe Jocelyn. And then we're going to be. And part of what really hit it. Yeah. Is that Burry essentially created the kind of contract where he could take, where he like create a contract where he could short the housing market. So remember hedge funds are like these guys doing risky investments. Michael Burry uh, out of his California hedge fund went to <clears throat> me and said, um, I think you've, I think these mortgages that you have are actually bad. And I want to do something called a credit default swap. 
So basically, it's like an insurance policy that if this ends up being garbage, you pay me billions of dollars. And if it doesn't, I pay you millions of dollars each month as interest oh, until boy. it does. It's an insurance. So he took a bet against the banks and they invented a, a product and they, for they were happy to do it because they thought the housing market, it, it's great. It's going to the moon. It's not coming down. <clears throat> it's always good. So they invented the credit default swap with Michael Burry and the hedge funds. And they're like, yeah, you want to pay us millions of dollars for the hell of it? Go for it. Because the housing market's never going to crash. It, it, it never has, never will. So who suffers the most if all this goes to shite? Americans. Uh, yeah. The Lehman Brothers and then the people who owned houses. <laughs> One Damn. person went to jail. And it's like some rando. Random guy. Had nothing to do with all of this, but the story the story deepens, uh, you could say. The, the the dog crap that they sold to each other is it gets even stinkier. So uh two thousand late two thousand seven, early two thousand eight, <clears throat> they start the banks start realizing like, oh snap, people aren't paying their mortgages because they took out because I gave my you know Cuban Im- immigrant who makes twenty K a year a million dollar house at, at uh, adjustable rate. And he can't pay it, and neither can a lot of other people. Am I getting the story right so far? Banks' uh, fault. Close, yeah. <clears throat> Banks' fault. And so the people default on the loans, and then the whole game of selling the collateralized debt obligation goes to crap. And then, um, and then a number of the banks realize that they actually have garbage, which is the collateralized debt obligation, and they realize it before other banks. And so they sell this which is basically worthless. So Kellen, so I know at my investment bank, let's say I'm name one that survived, Citigroup. So I'm at Citigroup and I realize our analysts have just figured out that the mortgage-backed securities we've, we've had are actually worthless. Now, instead of like knowing that and they say, oh, if this is true, we're going to go out of business. Okay. Kellen doesn't know this yet. He still thinks this is valuable. Hey, do you want to buy this for a 10% discount? Hell yeah, brother. So so Lehman Brothers says, hell hell yeah, brother. I just sold you something that's worth $0 and you paid me $10 billion for it. Damn. (laughs) (laughs) That's a big bag to hold. That's a big big problem. So the people who made the credit default swaps with Michael Burry and his hedge fund uh, realized that he was right. And so they they secured a net short position, and then they were able to pay out Michael Burry and stay afloat themselves. One, uh, Bear Stearns and Lehman Brothers went out of business. The government stimulus, and then packages. the government instead of uh, instead of sending these people to jail for doing very what should be illegal things, they gave them billions of dollars. Dang! And the American people too suffered big for to years. fail. Too big to fail. Correct. Hashtag corruption, baby. <laughs> No <clears throat> that stuff is so complex. There's just so much that goes into that. Yeah, it's crazy. There, there's just so much on the line for all of this. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's so much risk that goes into all this. It just like it goes from z- ten billion to zero. I mean, think about that. Worth nothing, and you owe ten billion. You know, it's it's nuts at how f- rapidly this can change. And I, that affect everybody. <clears throat> yeah, and then. You, the the Cuban who had the million dollar house and making 20K, now you're on the street. Or even worse, someone who was renting from someone. Someone like a oh. land, because a oh landlord. Oh my gosh. Imagine, imagine that. Your landlord saw that they were giving mortgages out. So it's like, oh, cool. I'll take out four mortgages. 
have four houses I can rent out, get some cash flow. All of a sudden, he has to default because he, him and the banks were too greedy. They went too far. Now, four people who were just renting are kicked out of the house. They don't have a, they're not, they have to move. Get a warm coat, boys. Exactly. <laughs> well, if you're in Florida, it should be fine. But. Oh, yeah, you're good down there. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that really opened. And the government saved Wall Street. It saved most of the banks. It saved most of, and it came to the rescue because that, it forms one they need each other, and and all the politicians have their money in Wall Street, and and they're they're the ones who have the big interest. And okay, yeah. so I have a question. We'll pause for a second and go for that. So, this country is in what twenty trillion dollars of debt. Does does that even matter anymore? Because honestly, if we think about it, it doesn't really affect anything. Because if the if government takes out another true trillion dollars or something, take out a lot of money. It's like we're past the point of no return. So, I mean, does it really matter that we're in that much debt? Debt's part of the system. I mean... It's part of the system. Yeah. And you also can buy and sell debt, right? Which is the really weird part of it. It's, That's weird. Well, right. A mortgage-backed security is you're buying and selling debt. Yes, because I mean, the cash flow is from the mortgage. Right. Yeah. There's some cash flow somewhere then. Yeah, so... We're in $20 trillion debt, a lot to China. China's in debt to us. Different companies are in debt to other companies. It's it's kind of all part of the system. The goal is production. Like from a governmental economy standpoint, they just want production. And that's Keynesian economics is you just want the economy to continue. You want people to continue to go to work for 40 hours a week. And you want companies to continue to produce products. Yeah, an, and you want people to buy things. It's an attempt to lessen the impact of recessions because- pre-Keynesian economics, we had a fairly volatile system of boom and bust. Yeah. Recession and spike. And then I'm pretty sure, I haven't read Keynes from the source, but I'm pretty sure he included higher tax rates in times of economic, like when when the market was up, we should collect more taxes to cover our butts when the recession comes. And my understanding is we largely aren't doing that because raising taxes is not a good political move. You, no one no, wants yeah. to run on the platform of I'll tax you more when times are good. Exactly. So what's happened is we're covering our butts when we have recessions and then not gathering taxes in times of affluence. So debt stacks up because t- when the government covers stuff during times of recession, the money has to come from somewhere and it either com- comes from more taxes, which they don't do, or right. debt spending. I'm just looking for that, um, that one. So one of the things that fueled this GameStop rage mania, whatever you want to call it, against the hedge funds was 2000, uh, 2008. Was the housing the big shite show. We we read a, a post from somebody last week. Remember when, you know, the ketchup packet soup, you know? Yeah, baby. So a person who, what these investment banks did, you know, personally impacted him. He was the one, he was one of the people who mm. almost lost his house. He had a lot of family members lose their houses mm-hmm. and their, what their, their livelihoods. And, um, you know, he barely could afford to eat. He would eat, he would eat ketchup packets from the cafeteria, from the cafeteria, soup soup. Oh my. ketchup packets, granted pancake mix for like a year. I love ketchup packets. I'll eat them whenever I can. Cause they're really good. But However, that, and soy sauce too. I really like soy sauce. Blue or blue cheese. I'm a huge blue cheese fan. Oh, yes. My girlfriend doesn't really like blue cheese. Just everybody. everybody. I don't know why you don't like moldy cheese. Well, when you put it that way. <laughs> Come on. It's good. Cheese. 
Gromit. John knows. Are any actual reforms going to come out of this? Reforms? How about reform reform the United States? Hashtag, let's not strive for suckiness anymore. (laughs) But what has, like... That'd be nice. The, you know how, like, the whole taxes or whatever else, like, people who make a lot and then it, like, ends up just being given, like, a good majority of it to, like, people who can't get by kind of thing. So, like, whether it's with the taxes or whatever else, like, I'm, I... My mind is just very limited when it comes to this stuff. But, like, you know, there's always the talk about the taxes or just, like, whatever else of, like, you know, those who are working their butts off and they're, you know, making the money, but then they're getting taxed or they're getting, you know, so much of it taken away so that they can help pull through people who might not be either. I mean, in some people's eyes are suffering a lot, but maybe they're actually just not working and choosing to just reap off of, like, you know, other people's hard work. So how does that play in to, like, all of this? To where, like, I, I there was a um, good quote from Chamath. Uh, what's his last name? I can't remember. It's a, it's a long last name. He's a he's part of Social Capital Hedge Fund. But he said, speaking of like the taxation and stuff like that, is people think that this game is right versus left. What it really is is insiders versus outsiders. And what this is really showing is that Wall Street's the insiders, and retail us people are the outsiders to the game. And um, the whole tax the rich and this type of sentiment. Um, what what we're seeing, what I think we're seeing now with the like Republican conservative wing, people like Tucker Carlson or whatever, is a general distrust for Wall Street and a general dis- distrust for huge tech companies. And it's been bipartisan on that. Actually, the distrust of the institution and the support for the retail, at least mm-hmm. publicly, it's been left and right. Which is new for but that's like true. established that's, republican yeah. party they're they're deep wall street just as much as established democrat party notice how so when all this like robin hood shutting down trading happened donald trump jr ted cruz aoc rashida talib uh chamath elon musk and uh, <laughs> dave portnoy <laughs> all these people who are left right whatever all like decried it as being terrible, you know, and, and evil and manipulative and whatever else. And, and to have people like Don Trump Jr. and AOC to be agreeing on something, it's like the game of notice how you didn't hear from, uh, you didn't hear from Nancy Pelosi. You didn't hear from Mitch McConnell. You didn't hear from Joe Biden. You didn't hear from like, there's super inside like people talk deep state, but usually they don't associate that with like wall street deep. We did have like the Occupy Wall Street crazy guys or whatever at one point. But I'm this about is to make like, the obligatory Mudge and Gudge or whatever. It yeah, Mudge and Gudge. That, and gudge. That Plato talks about all the time. Uh, so, and nothing's happening to these hedge funds that are doing 140% short interest, which is like absurd. They're selling more shares than actually people hold. <laughs> like I said, we don't know if they were <laughs> actually naked so shorting crazy. or exploiting some loophole where you can. Have the number be 140, but technically cover in the future. I don't know exactly the mechanization, but 140 seems excessive. Right. Random. I mean, this is a dumb question, but like, why is it worth like throwing out all these crazy numbers and like having this crazy system of just like the betting or like all this different stuff? Like, I mean, is it worth like keeping to go off of a system? Are we like that reliant on it? Because I don't know enough about it to know like how much it controls everything but like and compared to like systems we might have had in the past and like how those had worked but like yeah how much is this like 
actually working and like, I don't know, actually reliable and everything else and like a good system to keep going off of, if that makes any sense. How do you tell what's corrupt and what's not? You know what I mean? Because th- there's something to everything. And and so... A true statement. You can't. It's like, <laughs> there is can you- something to everything. Heard it first on the Kel and Alex show. Yep. Shout out to what? Mike from Philadelphia or whatever. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Shout out Mike to Philadelphia, oh, you yeah. bastard. Hell yeah. But like... Love what? You. But anyways. But it's like in with numbers like these, like that number you were saying, that's like we can't even comprehend... But it's like with numbers that high and with money and everything else, like how can there not be just so much greed and so much like corruption? Like there's that's impossible. Like you literally like there's no way that there's just not so much lies, so much corruption and just like the greed and everything else that this is just all based off of. You know, people say pride is the root of all sins. I know we say that. I think greed is the what root of Saint all Paul sins. What did St. Paul say about my, or... Well, greed is. <laughs> greed is quote. like the. Money is the root of all evil. Well, I mean, for- uh, greed is the sidekick of pride. He's <laughs> <laughs> the sidekick of pride. I yes. love that. That's awesome. It's true. The sidekick. And you know, we often associate greed with money, right? I mean, because yeah. money is such. It's the such thought, a worthless yeah. pursuit. Yeah. Too. The first, yeah, it is. Well, that's exactly what Father Vince. That's exactly what Father Vince was saying today in mass. Often, you know, at the 1205 Mass, often we, you know, think of greed because the gospel today was Jesus saying, take off your, don't bring an extra cloak or whatever. Yeah. Uh, only have your only have your sandals, no food, no water. Go out and preach and they exercise demons. They didn't have, John and and Peter didn't know what stocks were. I mean, Peter didn't know that a hundred years in the future there was going to be freaking Robin Hood screwing everything. No, Peter actually, didn't know that. Legit, but then it's funny because Father Vince, not a hundred years. Sorry, about a thousand years more or something. No, but like that's what 2000. Father Vince was saying. It's like the big part of the gospel today was just about like not having many possessions and everything, but then just trusting in God's providence. And like, I mean, it's like the the monks or whatever, like the Franciscan monks yeah. or whatever, that literally just like, I mean, the poverty and like the, you know, that kind of stuff of just like living. God will provide what you need. So it is striking how much in the gospels is about the dangers of mammon and the danger, you know, and not being attached to all these worldly things. I mean, how many does God, the, the tr- word Trinity does not appear once in the gospels. And how many times do Paul and Jesus warn about the dangers of money and of material possessions? A lot. Yes. A lot. So that's why all this stuff is just like, you got to scratch your head and be like, oh my God. Well, it's just a foreshadowing. It's just so crazy. God foreshadowed all of this. He knew. Oh God. I mean, he probably knew that in 2021, God knew that when he was, he probably did. When he was preaching on the Sermon on the Mount, he was like, man, I'm telling you in 2021, Robin Hood's going to screw everything, man. (laughs) Telling you, God knew that. Timothy revised standard version, Catholic edition for the love of money is the root of all evils. Damn. It is through. (laughs) I mean, if you want to continue, you can, but yeah. Uh, Love. Yeah. So greed, sidekick of pride. Let me, let me bring uh, let me bring Thomas into this, the great Thomas Aquinas, which I haven't yeah. read much of him recently, but Summa, this baby. is the question he asks, whether man's happiness consists in wealth. This is the first objection, so the position he's going against. Yeah. It would seem that man's happiness consists in wealth, for since happiness is man's last end, it must consist in that which holds the greatest hold on man's affections. Oh. Now, this is wealth, <laughs> for it is written, all things obey money. 
get even back destroyed. Then it was like Thomas knew it. Well, no, no, no. Well, I mean, this is the person who is <laughs> yeah, going against yeah, Thomas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All things obey money. We have the same phrase. Like pretty much all cultures have that same phrase of like, you all know, everything has a price. Well, is money, our phrase, yeah. right? money, money talks. talks. Money yeah, talks. talks. <laughs> Therefore, man's happiness consists in wealth. Uh, yeah. Further, according to Boethius, happiness is a state of life made perfect by the aggregate of all good things. Now, money seems to be the means of possessing all things. Money was invented that it may be a sort of guarantee for the acquisition of whatever man desires. Therefore, happiness consists in wealth. Like you can buy anything with it. If your happiness is the accumulation of all good things, then it consists in accumulating the most. Most right. Uh, further, since the desire for the sovereign good never fails, it seems to be infinite. But this is the case with riches more than anything else. Therefore, happiness consists in wealth. So, like, you can get as much wealth as possible. We have an infinite desire for happiness, therefore infinite wealth. On the contrary, man's good consists in retaining happiness rather than in spreading it. Uh, I answer that it is impossible for man's happiness to consist in wealth. For wealth is twofold, natural and artificial. Natural wealth is that which serves man as a remedy for his natural wants, such as food, drink, clothing, dwellings, and such like. While artificial wealth is that which is not a direct help to nature, as money, but is invented by the art of man for the convenience of exchange as a measure of things salutable. Now, you know the the joke about, like, Bezos, like, like how much can you eat, drink, and, like, build a house? Like, at a certain point, it's just excess mm-hmm. wealth. It's just, like, it it's just like the sidekick of pride. <clears throat> it, like, has no value. It's literally, mm-hmm. oh, I have a billion dollars and you don't. It's a sidekick of How many pride. mansions does a man need? <laughs> yeah. The answer is zero. But. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, it is evident that man's happiness cannot consist in natural wealth, for wealth of this kind is sought for the sake of something else as a support of human nature. So, like, having lots of food to eat and drink and a place to sleep, like, <laughs> that that's for the purpose of human nature. Wherefore, in the order of nature, all such things are below man and made for him. As to artificial wealth, it is not sought save for the sake of natural wealth. So, you only get that artificial stuff, money, so that you can live. Therefore, it is impossible for it to be uh, happiness. So, he replies to objection one about all things have their price. All material things obey money, so far as the multitude of fools is concerned. <laughs> I think this, okay, is that, is that the objection or is that Thomas? That's Thomas. <clears> that's Thomas. Well, uh, he's, well, like, <laughs> he's like, okay, everything has its price. Yeah, everything has its if price. If you're dumb. If you're, a, if you're a fool. Yeah. Well, no, I would say, okay, yeah. continue. Anyway, no, go ahead. Well, I would just say, I mean, I guess, well, the first objection was basically saying uh, money money uh people obey money or what, what was that yeah all things obey money and man's happiness is man's happiness it, is man's last end and whatever man pursues the most is what is where his happiness mo- is and be. money gets him whatever he wants man money gets him whatever he wants i guess it's a pretty good argument i mean it, well I'm, that's what i'm saying is like in a worldly oh, yeah. in a worldly yeah, aspect yeah. it makes sense you know right and I guess in like a worldly aspect that makes sense. But if we look at it like theologically, then no, it doesn't make sense. That's what he says but. here too. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. All material things obey money so far as the multitude of fools is concerned who know no other than material goods, which can be obtained for money. But we should take our estimation of human goods, not from the foolish, but from the wise. Just as it is for a person whose sense of taste is in good order to judge whether a thing is palatable. Reply to objection two: all things sellable can be had for money. Not so spiritual things, which cannot be sold. That's called simony. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, can you buy 
yeah, can you buy happiness? That's the the typical question of like, can money buy happiness? He's like, you can't buy spiritual things. Can you buy your way Joy? into the kingdom of it heaven? It wasn't like, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't you said this is Thomas Aquinas? Yes. Wasn't it. Thomas Aquinas? Wasn't he the one that like was super like he had all these riches and he had mm. all these different things, and so mm. like he definitely has a place to be saying like. Yeah. The fact that money really actually does not buy you happiness. He was born into a rich family and then kind of burned his bridges with them by joining the Dominicans who were a poor order. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's just kind of funny because it's like, I think you and I had a conversation about this the other day of just like the, yeah, consistent like pursuit for just like more and like the mm. whole money thing because everything is just always based on money. Like you can't go to school and you can't learn unless you have money or like you can't eat if you don't have money, like that kind of thing, you know? And so it's just crazy because, yeah, it can be in most people's minds that, like, you cannot be happy if you don't have money kind of thing. But it's like, ask, yeah, ask these different monks or something like that who are, like, the happiest people. What happens if a priest owns a Lamborghini? Oh, here we go again. Uh, (laughs) And he has a car in his driveway. (laughs) Okay. Well, yeah, I get it. I mean, I think that, well, I don't know because there can be good, devout Catholic people and they buy a lot of fancy stuff and they're still happy because they have their Catholic faith. I guess that's touchy. <laughs> you, you said that and then instantly went, I don't know. <laughs> like, I mean, like it, saying you don't know about yeah, what you're saying. Yeah, it's, I don't know for sure because I don't know other people's I mean, circumstances. It's like to what end? That's kind to of what, what end, yeah. That's what Thomas is saying here is like, yeah. what are you pursuing it? Is it a sidekick to pride? Like, do you, is the priest wanting to drive around a Lamborghini so everyone's like, <laughs> I would laugh wow, so father. hard if I saw that. Oh, I wish I could see that. It probably does happen somewhere. Probably in Dan Fliego, there's a priest. But I mean, there. granted, like, I think we were saying too, like, most, like, friars or priests or whatever, like, they take, like, one of their vows is poverty. And I think that's, like, super important because, like, they're supposed to be, like, the spiritual father is supposed to be leading us and, like, you know, living that lifestyle and example for us. <laughs> this is a used Lamborghini. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, no. No. And so it's just interesting because, like, I don't know, there's just such a freedom. Because, like, that's that's one of the things that keeps coming to my mind about all of this, like, crap all this corruption and the stock markets and everything else, I feel like there's no sense of freedom. Like you're just so trapped in like whatever decision you make. And so like, that's the thing. It's like, okay, if you're super smart and you find joy in this, like whatever, I think this is like, is so intimidating and crap. But basically I'm saying is like, there's just so much freedom without money. And mm-hmm. like, I mean, granted, like I can speak because I have absolutely none. <laughs> But in like, and it can be so hard because yeah, there's definitely moments where I'm like, crap, like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to stay at school or like whatever else. And like, you know, having to work a job or two, but there's still so much more freedom and just like the gospel today being like, let go of all your possessions and he's going to provide and not in a, like, obviously you still have free will and you still have to work hard. Right. Like you can't just be like, all right, God, you're just going to provide for everything. I'm going to pull St. Francis. You know, you can't just sit here and be like, all right, God, I'm not going to do anything. And he's just going to like put a million bucks in your lap, you know, but like, yeah, I don't know. It's just so interesting. And like, there's no, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like much sense of freedom when it comes to just all these crazy numbers and crazy amount of money. And like, you know, because like, if you have like a trillion dollars and maybe you have like, John, you were saying like a couple mansions and stuff like that. Like, there's just so much, like, you're so trapped. You have to keep up on all of it. And there's yeah. no sense of like, like, I hate that I keep bringing up net, but it's like, I lived off of one suitcase and one backpack for nine months. And that was the freest year of my life because I never had to worry about like, yeah, just trying to keep on top of a bunch of things. I always knew that I was going to be provided for. I always knew that, you know, the Lord was going to pull through. And like, that was just so freeing. You know, so it's just, I don't know. I cannot imagine living a lifestyle like that 
and I always uh, just being in jeopardy or having to be trapped by like a decision you made. I think that the max, I don't know if you know the exact amount, but I think the max amount you can have in a, one bank account is like 150,000, right? Or something like that. Or I don't, I don't think know. So. I, I, I well, at the high, I mean, is that, is that for you? And well, what no, 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 no. Cause I'm thinking about, cause Mark Wahlberg is worth like $320 million and you must have like a hundred different bank accounts. Cause you can't hold that much money in one account. Right. I don't know. Sure. I, th- I thought there was I, a max. No, I don't, I, I haven't heard of any. Accounts. Maybe there's yeah. not, maybe there, I, I thought there was a max, but dude, Having that much money, man, I don't know if I would... I don't know what I'd do with it. That's the biggest thing. If I had that much money... Now, granted, the more the more, the better. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe not. No. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, but listen, if Mark Wahlberg had $320 million, is that better than having $30 million? Because think about how much stuff he could do for charity and like different things. And Remember, you, you can't buy spiritual goods. You can't yeah, exactly. buy spiritual goods, but you Listen can give a lot of it away right. to help You're, people get spiritual goods. Sidekick can, to pride, but also like sidekick. Well, I mean, it's it's means of power. No, th- there is I'm some, telling you, man, barter. John, I told you, barter. <laughs> the bar system's inefficient. Anyway, there is some wisdom like uh, t- you need a certain <clears throat> amount of material goods for human happiness. Because while I think it's nonsense, you see the UN things where Scandinavia is the happiest country in Africa is the saddest. Because it's like, what? Because on one hand, you're like, okay, have you seen the African people? But with the joy and the yeah, yeah, and and all that. But there is some wisdom to it in that you do need. There is a benchmark for human striving and material possession. You need food and shelter, and all this to have basic human flourishing. So there is a definitely a bench or a floor there obviously but yeah that i think we should recognize but once you start getting the, the fact that three mansions who needs it you know yeah no not yeah. even one like uh, that's just as long as like you were saying you can get by like i know like i don't know for your family and stuff like that it's just like that's your lifestyle so that's what you know and you were pretty happy growing up but it's like i would say that the it's not the more the better if anything the more you have the more you have to keep on top of and the more like again there's like a less of a sense of freedom because yeah, great. Maybe you can donate to a bunch of ministries, but you can also make a great impact on those ministries in other ways than like the money and everything else. And like, then there's also ways that like, yeah, maybe people who have more money and stuff like that, who maybe aren't living the best life, have a conversion, didn't donate, whatever. It's just like the Lord pulls through. Cause again, same thing with net. Like I, I wasn't given, like I didn't work and make that money. I had to fundraise and people supported me and it could be just a various group of a lot of people who were living normal lives. Like nobody was just like, here's six grand, you know, cause I had to raise like six or six or $7,000, but like, it wasn't just something that like one person just gave me like that. And that's the beautiful thing is like the less that people have, the more that everybody has to give. And it's not just coming from just one source or one, like, I don't know if that makes any sense. So there's more of a sense of community and relying on everyone. That's why I love like small towns and stuff because everyone like is like, I mean, in some towns they're so small that everyone's barely getting by, but everyone has everybody to kind of like feed off of and get by together. It takes a whole village to raise a child. (laughs) That's true. Um, Yeah. I get what you're saying. The, the less you have, the I guess the more opportunity there is. The more opportunity there is for you to grow in your spiritual life. You know what I mean? Because uh, let's Which just take St. Francis. Thing, yeah. Let's just 
take a look at St. Francis. I mean, did, did he come from a wealthy family? Yes. Yeah, yeah, he did, right? Did. You know, he goes in the middle of the piazza and just takes off all his clothes. <clears throat> He's like, I'm going to go butt-ass naked and just <laughs> descend to the hills. And his, I don't know if it was his dad or somebody got like super, what the hell are you doing? You know, you're just taking down our family pride. I always thought that was a funny. Taking down our family greed. <laughs> I always thought it was just a funny image that Francis basically stayed in CC his whole life. So his fa- he'd be like the weird, <laughs> the weird like fail son just wandering around as like the hobo with you heard, his, you heard his about dad you heard about that a, you heard about that a CC guy man he talks to the birds he yeah like, he freaking you know hangs out with deer and skunks no, and then probably think and his rich family was still in a CC as well. <laughs> yep. This guy's weird man he That's must be hilarious. on something but no Francis wasn't Francis was high on Jesus. <laughs> You know, did they have weed? Did they have weed sense. back then? Good oh, I, I mean, <laughs> uh, maybe. I don't know if it grows in Italy. <laughs> what's, the, <laughs> yeah, so. what's the history? Uh, of I don't know. Smoking yeah. something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, not Francis. I just the smoke from the fire of the spirit. <laughs> the incense. They the incense. really yeah. incense their job. Burning, baby. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, maybe possibly good things. Okay, so bad things are coming out of this. Um, I think the motivation of people who are just trying to ride the momentum and then make money off of retail investors, okay, probably a bad thing. I think one of the good things, people becoming informed about how maybe corrupt Wall Street and our system is, but I don't know, the bigger narrative of this is uh, corruption of the American empire in different ways. And the American empire. How we've built this... Well, John's grinning over there, but like, I mean, <laughs> I, I think this kind of naivete that everyone um, will be cynical as me by the time this is done. It'll be great. Yeah. Well, the naivete that, um, okay, that the insiders of America are really working for all the outsiders and not for themselves. And then also that American dominance militarily over countries around the world is actually for their own benefit. Oh, that's another thing I was looking at today are like whatever, 900 military bases. Yeah, right, right. I mean, continued prolonged yeah. wars in yeah, Syria yeah, exactly. and Kuwait and, you know, drone strikes to random places. And um, it's it that is supporting a Wall Street um, financial sector that is allowed to play by its own rules. Uh, the American populace can be led on to believe any sorts of... Um, mostly lies about uh, military stuff, w- whether it's invading this country or that country. Um, likewise, now this kind of facade that there's a oh, free market just is wanna, coming apart. Just want to say I, I was unfair to the United States. We don't have 900 military bases. We have almost 800. I'm sorry. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're very sorry. And, uh, and that supports a Wall Street. Now, and people have been realizing, okay, so the Trump era of America First stuff, People are realizing that like our financial sector is completely merged with China. That's just makes me so sick. I just want to go to China and just like take a dump and then leave <laughs> on the whole on that land. That's like, all I want to do is just get the hell out of there. Communism. Not good. <laughs> Prove it, liberal. <clears throat> so America and China are are going to continue to merge as they've been merging since like even like 92 when Clinton opened up direct foreign investment in China and China opened up its financial sector and Chinese companies, imports, all that type of stuff. The Chinese, what we would like Mao Zedong communism stuff has been shifting a lot more to be more American. 
and in, in their economic system. And the American system has been progressively becoming more like China. And I think we, what you see with tech censorship, with direct foreign investment, Wall Street is directly tied to China. That's how America God, and China became one big entity. Makes me want to puke. Our money became invested in Chinese companies. And Chinese companies imported tons of products and services to the U.S. I mean, just look at a MacBook, look at an iPhone, look at um, any any of our huge tech companies. Yeah, all the clothing we're wearing, whatever. Everything's made in China. Right. Well, that is how we have become politically much like China and how China has become politically much more like the U.S. And, um, and how Wall Street's involved in that whole game as well. Sickening. You know, yeah, it... And, you know, Trump spent his his four years really trying to just get off the China train that the United States. I don't know why we have such a resort to kiss China's butt. I don't know. I don't get it. And I don't think I'll ever understand it. This shirt wasn't made in China. It was made in Jesus. Okay. Uh, Check the tag. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Yeah. I know this is how serious it gets. I know a lot of my family members and friends are like, this is made in China. I'm not buying it anymore. Like, it's so easy to buy something from China because it's so cheap. But. It's also like the only thing everywhere. you could buy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like yeah. a lot of products are just, where are you going to buy a computer? You know, where, where am I going to buy blue jeans? Made in Scranton, <laughs> yeah, no Pennsylvania season. or something, you know? <laughs> Doesn't exist, right? Yeah. I mean, it, designed in California, made in China. That that whole phrase that like is on the back of every iPhone should be ridiculously scary to everybody. <laughs> yeah, I think it is. I, I mean, mean when, when did it... Designed in China. Why no, no, can't no, no, no. Design, designed, designed in California, California made, made in China. China. I mean, they're basically identical. They're basically right? but- identical. <laughs> well, it's just like, why can't we make? Why can't we make more? We have the technology because we want to exploit cheap labor. Yeah, no, exactly. Because China's it's not cheap. as regulated as we are. We had like labor movements and stuff to try right. to scumbags. Now imagine if we're you're taking like, advantage of China's. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, if your 12-year-old sister was working 60 hours a week in a factory in California, you'd probably be a little bit angry about that. And your iPhone wouldn't cost $800. It would cost probably be $2,000. Two grand, yeah, at least. Likewise, if we didn't have our political empire that stretched into Africa and we didn't have politicians who are favorable to us, the, the, the resources that you need to make computers would also cost a lot more because we'd have to fairly trade with them rather than... Well, it depends on what you call fairly trade, right? If someone agrees to a contract, is it a fair trade? Technically, yeah, because no. you agree. You ag- well, you you agree <laughs> to it. Not. You agree so, to it. Here's my gun. <laughs> if you don't agree to this contract, yes. Or, okay, we're not. More there's, accurately, there's minor okay, circumstances. So, not a freaking gun. Okay, let me. <laughs> if you have a gun to somebody, then no, it's not fair. Let me do a That's thought. Exactly it, what the yes. does. Okay, yeah. Okay, fair enough. And even if it's not a gun, imagine you have a fa- you have three young kids you have to. <laughs> feed right <clears throat> i'm mr fat cat capitalist i have my factory back here <laughs> capitalist. i know that there are there's a long line of people like you who have to feed their wife and kids and i say okay i will give you two cents an hour to work in the factory of death if you say no i'll say okay get out of my office i'll hire the next guy if you agree is that fair if you if everyone in town also says we also have the factories of death well he has the factory of death mine's the factory of suffering i'll give you two cents to work in the factory of suffering am i allowed to negotiate and up you to agree three to cents? work in one of those factories is that a fair agreement am i allowed to no- negotiate up to three cents an hour no because the next scale take two cents get out of here <laughs> okay i don't think that's ever gonna happen 
And maybe it already does happen. <laughs> no, it is. So okay. politically, that's what happens, right? Political so, bullshit. No, no, okay, let me provide examples. All right, Venezuela, Indonesia early on, uh, Iran, North Korea, whatever. These little spikes of... So they realize that, okay, we're sitting on... Okay, so you're you're happy you. You're the president of Venezuela. <laughs> yeah, baby, I got a lot of oil. Yeah, whatever it is. <laughs> Sorry for the... Venezuela the has increase. lots of oil. Yes. So they have... Let's just put it natural resources, right? Okay, so you're the president. Big old swinging club. <laughs> America comes to Venezuela and says, let's make it an, an agreement, right? This is our uh, sphere of influence here with the Southern Hemisphere, and we need your resources. Okay. Uh, you, you tell the politicians we're going to give you, I don't know, like uh, some percentage of what an American company. So an American company is going to come in and start to extract resources from Venezuela. And you realize like you're getting a pretty crappy part of this trade because America is making the most out of your resources. But there's no other real buyers to really compete with them. And you say, hey, I know you're holding a gun to our head because you militarily have bases all around us. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't want to go to war with you, but I think you're screwing us over. You need to pay us more for our natural resources that you're yeah. taking out. Yeah. And they say, no. Well, what do you do? Go to war go with to the war. United States? <laughs> right. I'd say, it doesn't work. I don't know. It wouldn't work and you're so, probably country so would get massacred. Like that, and I don't know Venezuela. I, I'm woefully ignorant of South American history, so don't quote me on anything. But wait a minute. Aren't you the guy who always tells me everything is negotiable? America? So I'm representing America in this? What are you talking about? I don't about? know. You, you just told me before, like, you can negotiate everything. Oh, well, well, yeah. I <laughs> With mean, power dynamics. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah but would, would the anyways. United States not have sympathy? Sympathy. Sim- sympathy towards another country? I mean, because you know you're the global power, so why can't you, like... Chill out a little bit? What, where where, where, I, I where guess, does sympathy come in this? I, I don't know. I guess in terms Nothing of like... Nothing personal, per- just business. Human relations. I mean, you, I don't know. you want to... Okay, so there's a... You're right. Okay, there's a middle ground here. You don't want to... Exp- right. This is what the America's figured out. You don't want to exploit them so much that they stop trading with you. Yeah, that's... So what... Yeah. Vin- so this is why the CIA exists, right? And this is why... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> now it existed Continue. before, but Continue. not not like it did after World War II. After World War II, the CIA was something. Well, I mean, there there was different. So they existed to topple governments unfavorable to the United States. A large part of it. <laughs> the U.S. Right? is so am I, bad. Am I wrong about CIA stuff? I mean, they they overthrew governments in Indonesia. They overthrew governments in Venezuela. They overthrew governments other places. Right. I mean that they're the intelligence arm of the United States to help. Um, help the U.S. military in more secret operations, mostly to continue American interest globally. Stuff we'll never know. Right. Like Barack Obama's <clears throat> mom, who was a part of the CIA, as well as her. She was a part of the CIA. Uh, that's not, My uncle was. That's not a <clears throat> public knowledge, nor is it confirmed by anybody. Uh, well, Obama, <laughs> right, didn't we have, Obama didn't even have a birth certificate. so He does? You know, that scumbag should have never been president. <laughs> And I hope his mother thinks and, that he's a scumbag, too. Uh, she died, she like, died. a long time ago. Good. What? Okay. Uh, no. Anyways, okay, we're getting it's deep a joke. Into, we're getting deep into stuff. But so, yeah. So, one of, um, Barack Obama's mom uh, went to Indonesia and was part of the Indonesian coup over their particular government. So, they would have favorable trade with the United States. And uh, it's happened in other countries. And uh, if, it go, if it goes really badly, then you have a proxy war. So let's say Vietnam, Korea, uh, whatever, Iraq, 
Now it's Syria. And then that's supposed to be a point of conflict that you can extract resources while they're fighting each other. South Sudan, a number of other African countries. So you either can successively topple the government to get favorable trade, or you make it a, a, a proxy war nation in which you can extract the resources while they're fighting each other because it's an unstable government, so it's easy to extract stuff. Um, yeah, this has been going on since the era of colonialism or whatever um, up to our present day. So that's the global military superstructure that then within the United States, then you have the financial sector, which is contractual warfare as well. And then you got the American, <laughs> right, who's working 40 hours a week to support their family, right? Um, that's all within the bigger structure of financial sector, Wall Street, whatever, within the bigger structure of the military empire of the United States globally. So at where at where do you cast the blame of like like where like you were saying before? Oh, this is wrong. This is evil. This is good. Oh, you know, like what are we doing? What would change if um, if all of a sudden America decided not to prop up a global military empire and said, oh, three? How much? How much we spend three trillion dollars to like? Why do we spend three trillion dollars to have a military to protect freedom around the world? No. It's to protect American interests and American interests are financial. American interests are making sure Russia and China don't get the upper hand on us. It's power dynamics to facilitate financial We're bringing success. freedom to the Iraqi people, Alex. <laughs> right. God. Iraqi freedom, right? <laughs> Iraqi right. freedom. We're going to free them from their oil. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So that's the nestled wall street within the bigger military empire of america and then the other thing is like insiders versus outsiders if you're an insider in wall street insider in the military i mean who who was it was it lyndon b johnson i think who talked about the uh, military industrial complex that we uh, that big industry and big military are directly tied to each other so so take for example uh honeywell incorporated with dick cheney they went from $10 billion company or something like that. And they're an oil company. When we invaded Iraq, they became a $300 billion company. And Dick Cheney, the vice president, was the CEO, became the CEO of Honeywell, had tons of assets. So he made billions of dollars off of us invading Iraq and giving them freedom. It's a coincidence. It's a total coincidence, right? Um, and he was the vice president <clears throat> when we were invading Iraq. Well, war stimulates economic output. Obviously, that's what it does. I mean, look at World War II, World War One. At US the expense the of American blood. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's true. <laughs> but yeah, yep. there's some, I mean. Distant sirens. They heard us <laughs> talking. <laughs> no, they heard they're us they're talking coming for right. us. Um, now, okay. The solution. Marxism. <laughs> well, solutionism, no. look, communism no, for not. the win. No, nah. it's not. I'm it's more into not. a distributist communalism. It's a lot harder. Yeah. Or, or the solution. You know, um, what would you call it? anarchy? Right? Uh, you can't the vote dissolution anarchy. of America. No, no. I think it it does require though not a just um, naive optimism about like America just does right all the time, and then also. Um, the idea that all the games that you can play within the financial world are just fair games. <laughs> well, uh, also that yeah. we have some type of free market, you know? Oh, I, have we ever had a free market? I mean, I, I guess, you know, capitalism, America being a capitalist world, I guess. Well, it's not that the market 
when was it free? Or at least you can't say it is contemporary. We have clear well, restrictions on the market. I don't, I don't think anything's completely free, but I do think it's easier to, I guess, invest and have more of a chance to make a living in America than a lot of other countries. <clears throat> I guess that's fair to say. However, I do think America is a business. And what I mean by that is- And its product is freedom. <clears throat> its product is freedom. Yes, that's what it is. Seriously. We invest in freedom. We want freedom. Therefore, we invest in certain things. America is built off the idea of like, do you remember this, Alex? Bald Eagle. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a Big Mac in the left talon and a Coca-Cola yeah. in the right. I I'm think telling Je- you. I think Jefferson wrote something like that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's what America is all about. Freedom, free enterprise, limited government, Right. And the Dems come and screw everything up. But I think that Ronald Reagan wasn't a Democrat. You know, okay, look, when he left California, it went to shite. Okay. But what I'm saying is this America is a business, and therefore we, and war is a business. You, Alex, you and I have talked about this. But America being this kind of symbol of freedom, or at least trying to, right? It, Okay, back in the, what, 40s, 50s, my grandparents came to, no, 60s or 70s, like 70s. My grandparents came to the United States through Ellis Island, went to California, and my grandfather was, uh, I forget, I know what he did, but I don't know exactly what you call it. He like worked underground and did the, what do you call those? Mining? No, 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 no. No, no, he, good guess, Alex, but he, uh, in the street, you know, those holes that you have in the street. Yes. (laughs) No, no, not, not sewers, but he, what do you call them when you replace the holes in the street for the electrical underneath? Oh, electricians. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. The pothole things that you open up and you do work on. Basically he did that for like civil engineering stuff. Some stuff like that. I don't know. <laughs> okay. And <laughs> he replaced manholes. Uh, <laughs> your manholes. That's what you call it. He worked in manholes. $19,000 a year for like 40 years. Wow. Yep. It's a long time. And I'm telling you, it's a long time. That was for him hard work. And that is hard work. That's a lot of hard work. Came here, worked his butt off. Because... People outside the United States that did not live in the United States thought that the United States, the streets of the United States were gold. They literally thought that the streets were paved with gold. That's what people thought when they came to America. Now, when they came here, they realized, okay, this is a lot different. We have to pay a lot of taxes. This is how the government operates. We're not a socialist economy. But this idea of you know, people immigrating to the to the United States because they want freedom. They want more freedom. They believe that they can get the most out of their life or in the, freedom terms through like living. The classic here. land of opportunity or whatever. Land of opportunity. That's what I'm talking about. There's a lot of opportunity. This is the land of opportunity. What country in the world has more billionaires and millionaires than the United States? How many does China have at this point? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's another one that has more. Why is that? Well, now we could say the United States has a huge hand in Chinese interests, right? 
therefore, I guess that's where a lot of it circulates. That's where a lot of the wealth comes from. That's where a lot of the interests go to. And it's just this whole system of government and money that comes together. Like that's the, that's the, people come to the United States, not only because they want to have freedom in the land of opportunity, because they, but also because they think they can make big bank here. And a lot of them did. If you're smart, you can do it. This is, it's nuts how it works, but it comes back to, yeah. For what purpose? Yeah. So it does, but people don't recognize that. Well, people, that's why people come over. People don't know. Like we're the only, well, I mean, we've established, so people don't really know the history as well. Like the idea that everything that exists in the United States of America is someone's property. So, right. Like, Lamp, my property, the table, my property, or that, that, or the MacBook, my property, and then your property is that and that and that. And, and every square inch of the United States is either owned by the government or owned by an individual or owned by some corporation or owned. It's owned. Everything's owned. Like people didn't think in that way, completely in that way of total private property. Obviously, people thought, I own this, you own that, but a totalization of all things is private property. Also today, a, a uh, totalization of everything material is sellable, right? And um, and also the pursuit of, uh, so everything is contractual. Um, if you have a piece of paper that says you own this, then you totally own it and you have total full proper rights on it, right? Um, I don't know. Like the endless pursuit of just, <clears throat> right, uh, what is it? Life, liberty, and property would be Lockean. Life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. But Jeffersonian. <clears throat> Jeffersonian. Jean-Jacques like we, We've created the ultimate wealth-creating society that is propped up by our, our global military power. Why does America thrive? Think about that question. It's aimed for thriving <clears throat> materially. That's what, is that's it? The, the whole trajectory. Is it? it is. I think it is. In my opinion. I mean, America is also one of the most Christian nations in the world. Strongly disagree. I think yeah. it is. I, I will. You mean in America, the amount of people who confess I, Christianity living in it? Uh, okay. Well, I think. Okay, so America is a Protestant nation, right? It's not a Catholic nation. Not oh. even that. It's yeah. a secular yeah. well, nation. It was that historically okay, but we don't. You know what I mean? I think that there's a lot of people in this country who actually believe in God and try to practice in that. I think there's a lot of people that do that. Now, obviously, there's a lot that don't. But I wonder if, you know, it's the Second Amendment, right? No, no, First Amendment, freedom of religion, speech, assembly, press. There's another one. Speech, in- assembly, <clears throat> press, religion. And uh, expression, pretty much. But uh, I think that a big reason why people try to immigrate to the United States is because they see all these wonderful things that are happening. Granted, some of them are your guaranteed rights, right? But when you come over here, it seems like it's almost a completely different world. Like you were saying, I own this, I own that. There's nothing that somebody doesn't own. You know what I mean? There's not really anything in this country that you can say, uh, that specific thing right there, is associated with absolutely no one. <clears throat> you couldn't move out into the woods and build a shack and 
claim that you, I mean, you'd be on someone's property. Yeah. And you know be what I'm go- saying? Be a government property or someone, <clears throat> private citizen's property. And so take for this for an example. This was, this is very serious and it, and it happened almost. I don't know if you remember, but I think it was about a year and a half ago or something. California was pushing for basically making priests confess certain things. Mm-hmm. That is a violation, first of all, of the freedom of religion, which is the First Amendment. But it almost happened. And there was like 300,000 people that sent letters saying that. And obviously, I don't know what it is. If I remember John, John, that <clears throat> died on the floor, though. It like didn't even go to. Yeah, it, it didn't. But I, I don't know. There's You have to have a certain number of signatures for something. Think if I don't know how California's legislation works. Yeah, but I mean, look look at how scary that is. People want to infringe on our rights. People want to say, you don't have the freedom of religion. You don't have the freedom of the press. You don't have freedom of expression. Take that black guy who was uh, in the whole Black Lives Matter protests. He was a black dude, a black priest. And he's like, do we agree that black lives matter? Do we agree that all black lives matter? Do I have to have the same opinion as you? And they start freaking mobbing this guy. <clears throat> He's a black dude. He's a black priest or pastor. People hate the fact that you have freedoms. People hate that. Because they say, oh, so you think that people are so greedy that they think, oh, you're as good as me. Are you as good as me? Are you as good as me just because you have the same freedoms as I do? Think about how sad that actually translates to to the actual world. Uh, Sometimes I just think of God and what he thinks about this entire thing. I'm serious. What he thinks about this. Because he he just must be thinking in his mind, man. He's buying GameStop. (laughs) Jesus is investing in GameStop. But like, you just... Our, Seek first our world, the kingdom of heaven. Yes, and that doesn't happen in the United States, unfortunately. I mean, it probably does, but I don't think it happens very often. Most of the time, it's seek first as much as you can gain for yourself or whatever. I don't know. I'm not going to say the word liberalism. But it is corruption. I haven't said it yet. <laughs> haven't said, we haven't said the boogie word of liberalism yet. but It is uh, corruption. There's corruption all over the place. Yeah. The question is, what do you do with that corruption? There's like, I mean, there's many things that's going on here, but like... Uh, making people not teaching people how to think, but how to process and like, so not teaching young people how to actually think of ideas and actually reason well. And, and I was kind think of bringing that history. up with a friend. History is like going out the window. And so you don't learn actual history. You don't learn, um, how to think about ideas. You just learn how to do math problems or be an engineer. And there's nothing wrong with that. But we've created a whole populace that doesn't really think for itself, that just kind of feels in different ways, which is easily manipulable. And then also we, um, we teach people to be in, in the process of, um, of having their desires fulfilled rapidly and, um, and being uh, addicted to desire fulfillment over and over. And, um, and so people become even more attached to their emotions and they're even more manipulable. And then you add on that the very the very American American optimism about stuff, right? So now you have an entire populace that you can whip up at will on emotions. You've given them a political dichotomy. So Carl Schmidt, the political philosopher, later on Nazi. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> just, just want to mention earlier today, you came to me and said, 
And you're like, have you ever read Carl Schmidt? I think you like his thought. I'm like, oh no, I haven't heard of him. And then you're like, he's a Nazi. <laughs> what? <laughs> this was before he became a Nazi. Boom, buddy. baby. He said, and I, the basic political distinction is friend and enemy. And so that makes sense to me. Yeah, I mean, the basic political distinction is here's our side, we're the good people, and there's their side, and they're the evil people wrecking the country. So you have that internally, you have that externally, right? So uh, we're America and China's ruining the comp- uh, the country or whatever Russia, else. Or- so, so people are easily, they can't think for themselves because they're never really taught how to think. They are addicted to their uh, desires and therefore more emotional and easily led on. And then you take American optimism about everything. And um, and then you 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 create a populace of outsiders and a populace of insiders, outsiders who believe that the game they play is left versus right and pursuit of wealth. And then the insiders who actually hold the power, who play by their own rules and who are pursuing their own interests, which they actually can't accomplish. <laughs> so much dense information. That think- seems to be the state of what's so low. Oh, BLM, right? Did it actually accomplish anything at all? Like, I mean, it caught I had a friend. I had a friend who's um, he's like kind of like Bernie Sanders socialist, whatever. But he's like the time when I saw Nike commercials with BLM, I realized it had no actual oh, power yeah. to change anything. The system because, like, weaponizing so wokeness. Yeah, they realize that hey, it's profitable for us to you know money, if money, money. Have, if you have Nike and Google supporting your cause. You're not actually changing anything substantial. You're just another brand, right? Money, money, so, so money. So likewise, so, oh, so, well, Trump, Trump was the little bit of, little tweak in the system that had to get absolutely annihilated because he he started to step in some of the China stuff. Um, and then but, they were so like, oh. He's not tolerable <clears throat> in, in the Capitol riot. But if you wanted to vote, <laughs> like, Mitt Romney versus Obama, Bush versus uh, what Al Gore. Gore? Yeah, like they're all. If you're a part of the insider group, then it's the left-right political distinction of friend foe. I think is a farce to continue Americans to think. Well, just if we had this next guy. Now imagine if we were a one. I, so the assertion is we're a one-party system without allowing the American people to realize we're really just a one-party system, and those people who try and fight the one-party <laughs> political system such as Trump, get ostracized by everyone within the party. Well, it's become so much of a regular thing that it's like an automatic response to ostracize somebody who does that. You know what I mean? It's serious. That's what it's become. It's a genius It's a genius move because you have all the benefits of a one-party system with all the benefits of, of the facade of, of, uh, of true democratic process. And you continue to have the American people believe that there actually is weight to their elections, whereas it it really substantially is a one-party system. Disagree or agree? uh, I think Think. the sentiment I agree with on some points, I don't... Think, John. George Washington. (laughs) What what about him? No, I think we definitely... There are differences in the two parties, but when you get to the actual up top... What is, I'm going to say much and gudge. I'm going to say it. Much <laughs> no. and gudge. I think ultimately it's the big money that's influencing both elections and the choice. How much does it actually change? There are there are differences between the parties, obviously, but I think you are hitting. <coughs> Barter. <there. clears throat> 
And the crazy thing that Keynesian economics brings into this whole equation, and it kind of unveils, if you really think about it, is as long as the game doesn't get too fierce, then you can just continue it in per- perpetuity. So, right. So you need to go after everyone who stormed the Capitol because that's too far. But if they burn down Portland, it's fine because it's it's within the bounds, right? <laughs> Thank you. So now when you know, so things like GameStop that's just happening, that's a little bit out of bounds of Wall Street. So now they're going to have to hammer down hard. Citadel gave a billion dollars to Melvin to keep them liquid. So there's like little bumps where it's like just outside of the in Keynesian economics if you're if your economy crashes just enough too much then you the Federal Reserve gives it a lot of money to keep it up right the goal is the continuation of the game a continuation of production the yeah. continuation of the military empire it's not uh not not disproportionate winners and losers if you have completely disproportionate losers you can have a revolution um, if you have completely disproportionate winners, then you know same 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 deal. So, though, but more and more we have people becoming woke to this and realizing that oh, the average Joe does seem to kind of be the loser here, right? Which that, I think is part be, of why socialism is, is a, so popular amongst the young people. Is they're they they were kids in '08. <laughs> they're growing up seeing this. The stuff's becoming more circulated. We're not going to be internet. poorer than anybody else. You know, what I mean, we're all going to be equal doesn't work like that. That's why Bernie absolutely got destroyed in the debates and obviously in the turnout. He got destroyed. Uh, there because, might have been some other things going on. There. Uh, the the internet has, has made it, like John is saying, and notice how the whole censorship thing, right? The internet has now officially become the insiders, right? Yeah. Unless you're on specific websites. I bet they're going to continue. I bet. I, they'll figure out some way to like service that's providers and stop hosting fortune. That's one commonality between like the uh, more communist wing. I, I'll say left, but the like more hardcore <laughs> socialist and communists and the more right wing people, they have the common thing of realizing that social media is censoring them and against them. Yep. Yeah. So now there's a, a, a so meaning. If you're not getting banned off of Twitter, you're uh, saying things that are inconsequential to the insiders. So, like, meaning if you had a if you have a Twitter account, just whose only purpose was to demonstrate that, uh, like, having all these pronoun wars with transgender stuff is stupid, and that's what it existed <laughs> to do. It'll be banned off of Twitter because that's not within um, that's not within the newly established insider norms of discussion, right? Free speech free speech is fine unless enough people listen to you who can actually change things yeah right so true so so yeah so people are like and somehow this is just absent from the analysis of like boomer generations or whatever is is like a total misapprehension of what like young people's socialism looks like a lot of it i think can be summarized by um I want the money, I don't have it, and I'm in a lot of debt. And I don't want to work 40 hours a week. It's it's the it's it's not genuine uh, I don't know. This is just my appraisal of it. It's not like I'm imagining a better system and we all get along. I it's kind of like there I think there is some of that sentiment though. Some. And I think there's this weird thing where people don't understand that there's more than just communism. There seems to be some sort of confluence where they don't understand. Like Bernie Sanders is not a Karl Marx. It's yeah, I'm close. Yeah, 
So there, there are many kinds of socialism. Tax the rich is completely different than <laughs> proletariat revolution. Yeah. The rich are the ones who provide all the jobs. Idiots. Let's just tax the shite out of Bill Gates. Well, let me just tell you something. He provides hundreds of thousands of jobs for people. And if we tax them, will those jobs disappear? What do you think? No, because the company will still exist. <laughs> <laughs> On his personal income, corporate taxes. I don't know. It gets it gets deep into stuff, but the uh, yeah, left right divide, the insiders <clears throat> versus outsiders. The I don't know. It's it um. Where do we go from there? I don't know. <laughs> I, I just think notice that, how we started with like GameStop. And we yeah, ended up. At I just think like, that there's been a loss of morality in our country. I think that. Oh, definitely. Like, like we say, I mean, it's so sad to see where our country started and where it is now. Think about where our country started. Us fighting for our freedom. Fighting just to have freedom. Just to be able to say, I can walk the street safely. Do you realize that at Fort Sumter? No. No, no, no. Sorry, not Fort Sumter. What am I saying? Um, Valley Forge. That the United States soldiers were just exhausted. They were freezing to death. They were cold. If the British invaded them there, it probably would have been the end of the American army. They never did. And by the way, Baron von Steuben trained the soldiers of Valley Forge. And that's Steubenville. That's wild. That's that's wild. He wasn't actually a baron. He was a con man, but he actually did train them. He did train. (laughs) We have lost our sense of true freedom. Because I believe true freedom, one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. Kids get kicked out of school for saying that. Crazy. Kids get kicked out of school for saying liberty and justice for all. I take very seriously when some people say that, oh, you're, you know, you're saying immoral things by saying liberty and justice for all. Some people don't deserve liberty and justice. This country came from fighting in fields against the British all the way to now where we're seeing all this corruption in the stock market. We're seeing all these tech censorship, tech censorship, all of this, just these things that were not are not supposed to be ingrained in the American mentality. I don't know. I think there's a The, the founding fathers would be so sad to see where our country is now. Donald Trump said this in his 2016 debates. He's like. The founding fathers are rolling in their graves at the stupidity of our country. Those were his exact words. The founding fathers are rolling in their graves. They're dead (laughs) at the stupidity of our country. And it's like you were saying before about how like America is almost like a business and like, you know, the thing with freedom. And it's like, yes, but it's sad because I feel like our idea of freedom is so... It's so so off from where it originally was. Our idea of original freedom was fighting for our rights and trying to become better moral people. And there was definitely, yeah, like you said, it was better moral people. God was actually involved. God was invested. That's where freedom truly lies, you know? And now, like we were all saying with the stock markets, with just like, you know, the censoring with all of this, it's so crappy. Like, yeah, again, it all comes down to just this false idea of freedom. That freedom's going to come from, like, yeah, how much money we have or how much, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. Freedom to be able it, to do whatever I want with exactly. my life. I, I actually, I feel is, ashamed of myself when I think about where we came from to where we are now. 
We are literally teaching indoctrination in our schools. That's why, in my opinion, history is the most important subject in middle school. I don't have a problem with indoctrination. Just want to throw that out there because I like how inflammatory that statement is. Okay. (laughs) But here's the thing. If you teach, if you don't teach our history correctly, you have no idea how everything came to be. So if you teach our history correctly, then you can understand how our country came to be and you can understand all that goes with it. God is the foundation of our country. At least, I'm sad to say this, at least he was. And, you know, I don't know. I don't think America's fundamentally a Christian nation. I, I, well, I can, I can tell you, I can tell you one thing. No, we're not. No. Yeah. Yeah, It was a liberal democracy. Right. However, I have, I have a lot of, I think what you were saying about early America, you know, the the debate between the Federalist and what the state's rights, they had a different name, but like the, the Alexander Hamilton versus Thomas Jefferson, the Democratic Republicans and the Federalists. Right, is an extremely important debate that I think people didn't understand. And the about Federalists America. ultimately won. Federalists, Federalists, Federalists win. Yeah. Federalists win. In, in a in a world, if if the world was, if they if there wasn't the British Empire and there wasn't you know French Empire before them and 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 if there wasn't what what, what is currently the American Empire, then um, you know the Federalists wouldn't seem to have a need. But Articles of Confederation, states' rights, America was an idea that could have facilitated, like we're saying, a, um, yeah, for the American people, like actually for spiritual for, ends. I think um, that- I'm not saying it would yeah. have been perfect. No, and I think there is better a- better than the Federalist There's idea. a disunity between the the liberal ideals of the American founders and the institution they actually, or in the country they actually founded. Yeah, because- Because life, liberty, life, liberty, property under God, who actually got that? It was rich <clears throat> landowners. Who 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 yep. was it yep. that said that? Yeah, yeah. No, it's a, it's a it's a high middle class conception of of reality. Which is who really was strange. that? Jean Jacques Rousseau, who said John every, Locke or John, which one? Um, said humans have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The, uh, it was, was proper. It, it was wasn't it? That was Jefferson. It was <clears throat> property with Locke, and it was Locke, not Rousseau. And, and it was just. I think I'm of right there, right? I think of it, and I you know you know the biggest thing for me in all of this is abortion where that comes in the right to life is one of our founding principles, the right to life. And we kill half a million babies a year. My body, my choice, Kellen. Notice, notice here that that, that line in itself is a sin. Notice here at a certain point in time designated by the state, a baby becomes a baby moves from uh, property property rights to citizen rights, and we determine that by trimester, which is arbitrary. <laughs> what right? the hell does that even so, mean? So, I have the right to take my computer and chuck it out the window because it's my private property. <laughs> now, and the state will be like, "Yeah, you're you're an idiot. I get it." <laughs> a woman has a baby growing within her, and at a certain point, the state will prosecute you if you kill that baby. But at a point before that, you're free to kill it or do it's whatever of, you it's want. It's part of bodily autonomy. <clears throat> it's part of bodily autonomy. And mark my words now, in the next 20, 30 years, you'll also be able to alter whatever DNA you want with the embryo that grows within designer a woman as well. Design, designer babies will be the next thing. Um, that's scary. But if you want to talk about totalization of property, uh, that's that's that. And, and also like, oh, America respects human rights. Uh, well... We've also, for the past 15 years, if you're not an American citizen, you can, without trial, be tortured and moved to different state uh, Have countries. Have you seen the movie The Conspirator? 
No. It's about the trial of one of the women who was involved in the conspiracy to assassinate Lincoln. She was tried in a military court, not as a United States civilian. Really? Yes, it's a very interesting story. Military courts can do whatever they want to. <clears throat> Those are scary. Guantanamo Bay. And, and, and so, okay, anyways, I, I bring that up. Go back to the abortion part. Um, yeah, we've all collectively agreed to give property rights to babies until a certain trimester determined by your state so that you can kill your baby if you so choose and the government won't uh you can't be prosecuted for murdering your own child because that stands in the way of your you're a citizen your pursuit of life liberty and property if it's part of your property rights and it infringes on your pursuit of life liberty property then um then your right to privacy, which is also part of the amendments, was interpreted as protecting that. According to the logic of the Constitution, you can make a very compelling case for abortion. <clears throat> and so, you know, marching in front of the Supreme Court and trying to play by the rules of the Constitution to overturn, overturn abortion, you have to bring something more into that, which is man's conscience <laughs> and, and, you know, collective conscience against uh, something that's just so absurdly evil. Let me ask you a question. This goes for all you guys. So, I don't know. This was so many years ago. I think I don't remember. But my dad heard this story. This actually happened. Where there was this doctor, and he was Catholic, but he performed abortions. He was in church, and a guy came up and shot him and killed him. I question if that is not justified. Wait, wait, say again? I, I missed something here. I question that that, that man killed that doctor because he was performing abortions and he was in the Catholic oh, Church. Oh, I question... Wait, wait, the doctor was in a... Wait, wait. He was in a Catholic right. Church receiving the Eucharist. Mass, yeah, receiving and, the Eucharist. Yeah, receiving the Eucharist. Yeah, and a guy... an abortion doctor. Yes. I question if that death is not justified. Which means I... Th Did he go to jail, the guy who shot him? I think so, Yeah. But here's what I'm thinking is like, is that justified? Maybe. It's that not generally <clears throat> our job. That doc yeah, judgment. It's that not. But think about it, right? That doctor has killed so many babies. What and killing him takes one life, not thousands. Yeah, but now you're a murderer. Is that justified? Because you are saving so many babies from that doctor. Well, you can ask the same question about Hitler. Would it have been would it have been a right, good idea to abort Hitler to save six million Jews? No, no, it's not. Easy. It's yeah. not. No, it's hard for me to agree with that because and, I, th and do not I think it's, the if you could time travel into the the Vienna Art School or wherever <clears throat> he was, and and you know he's sitting there painting his really crappy painting of like a building, and you shoot him. Now this, knowing what you knew, right? Well, that Hitler hadn't done anything. He hadn't done anything at that point. <laughs> now, uh, what was it? Nick brought it up of tyrannicide where you kill a, a tyrant. But that can be legitimate. You just have to know that the government you're going to usher in is going to be better than the one before. But anyways, I think we're off the point. Your point was about the abortion doctor who got... Is it just... It's essentially it's a question, just to kill a murderer. I question, I question that it's... I question somebody that would say that that's not justified. Why is, why is it wrong to kill someone? I think that killing that person 
is saving so many people granted, from others. At the same time, deaths. like it is, <clears throat> like I think I don't know. Now I'm not going to. Do, do you believe intrinsically evil actions exist, or an evil action in general exists? I do. Yeah. Is committing an evil action for a good, for a good end, ever justified? No, it shouldn't be. But what but, I but then, what I'm saying is if like killing is evil. Then yeah. Okay. But what I'm saying is like that's true, but. To some extent, there's reality that kicks into this, and killing that person is going to save so many people. I guess I'm what? not advocating for that, but I, I question people that question that that that's justified. I guess that that's not justified. Something <clears throat> that I would. By the way, do you guys have more time? Do you want to um, go until? What, can we go like another fifteen minutes? Sure. Okay, fifteen minutes. Until eight thirty. Okay, eight thirty is good. Keep, keep this just it's, just, go. it's just hard for, uh, and I know, look, I'm a Catholic young man. I would never do something like that. And I don't think that is good. At, I don't, okay, is, but my question is, is that justified? All right, let me answer Legitimately. This. Let me answer this. So for one thing, um, in regards to all of those abortions, like if they were going to go see this doctor because they were going to have an abortion, um, if he wasn't available, <clears throat> They're going to go somewhere else. Like their, their motive is still to have an abortion. So like, quote unquote, yeah, it might be saving a lot of lives. But honestly, in regards to the abortions thing, like they're still going to find somebody else. If they're that determined to kill their own baby, they're not going to stop at the fact that this doctor is no longer available. And well, so here's he, another thing. The, okay. But here's the other thing. Like, I, I'd love to hear your thoughts. But like, <clears throat> we're, it's also not up to us to like judge. Um, Like, I don't know how to word this because I'm tired but <laughs> to like basically it's not up to us it's not our responsibility on what his actions are you but know how would you feel though if other people thought that that was justified I mean it's again I'm not responsible for other people's actions I'm not responsible for how <clears throat> other people think I would in my own opinion I would say that it's not like justified that it's like it's I wouldn't say that shooting this man who's helped perform several abortions is necessarily justified simply because like it's not up to us to are take- you are you not stopping evil by committing evil well you can but then you've committed evil which yeah. is a affront but to you've God. stopped an evil yeah but you've committed an evil yeah so you're, you're putting an evil upon yourself yeah but you're not the the person who kills that doctor is not committing abortions but also yeah but they're committing murder <clears throat> they're committing which, murder which, which is abortions murders or you're preventing murder by becoming a murderer because I, I don't think, like, the quantity really, like, does anything, you know, because, like, yeah, I might save millions of babies, but at the same time, like, those millions of babies that would have still been killed would probably be killed elsewhere, you know? No, and even then, I'm not sure how relevant it is, because you're trying to justify murder. It's like, an evil action in the Christian mindset should never be tolerated. Mm-hmm. That's true, but you just look at terms of effectiveness, right? Tell that to God at the early gates. I know, yeah, I know. Yes, I, I know. offended you, whom I should love above all things. But think of all the good I did. Yeah, yeah. But exactly. if you commit evil, if you commit a murder, it doesn't mean you're going to hell. Uh, right? Unless you commit murder and are unrepentant. Yeah, I guess that that does I mean, warrant that. The key is the. I mean, it, it's hard to nail down what grave matter is, but murder is generally kind of thrown in there. Grave matter, huh? Uh, okay. What what did you conclude about <laughs> the 
So it's it's a question of do you have the legitimate right to pass judgment yeah, on? Or we didn't get to there yet. We were just mostly working on principle, but yeah. <laughs> on keto, I'm on a, a keto break. diet. Alex offered me some wine, and unfortunately, I'm on a keto diet, and I can't drink wine. Keto diet. I'm sorry. I feel break. bad. I can't keto. drink the red Carl. I'm sorry. Can't can't drink some Carlo Rossi. Okay, I so feel bad. Sorry killing, about that. Killing abortion doctors. <laughs> we're back. So to yeah, that. the principle we were on was ends and means mostly. Okay, this I was is just taking a hard life. I think this is can. a problem. I think this might be a problem that I have. I wouldn't feel completely sorry if that happened. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I wouldn't. I am okay. As you, yes, it's a terrible act, but at the same time. You're stopping somebody from committing a lot of deaths. But here's the thing. Like, Are you killing him for murders? Sorry, go ahead. I, but here's the thing. It's like you're not responsible for his soul. Like you're not <clears throat> like, yes, we should be doing whatever we can to like save the lives of like, okay, these babies who are killed or even the mothers because abortion does horrible things to the mothers as well. But um, but it it's ruins like, women. No, it does. It really does. And so like the thing is, is like we're not responsible for other people's actions, we're not res- like, yes, we should be evangelizing. Yes, we should be loving and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But not, we're not responsible for like their decisions and everything else. So like, I don't know. I like, I guess it keeps going down to like, even like the death penalty and stuff like that. Like it's all the same kind of do you question, need to, do you really need to murder him can you like no that's what, and tell yeah. him? that's one thing go in there and paralyze him no that's well, one thing that, no, 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 no. That's, that's even worse i didn't bring up but i also thought of is killing it because this goes back to death penalty debates it's pretty much the ultimate punishment for anything and the most extreme means so is yeah. do you I, have to I, kill this dude I mean, yeah. yeah okay i mean i could even grant like you he walks out of mass you pull him aside and you kind of like rough him up or whatever, and you're like, it's not going to do anything. <laughs> I mean, you don't. I mean, that. and you tell them like, hey, you, know, you do this again, you I'll come find back you. And me and some bad hombre is going to mess you up next time. To come to mass. I, I don't know. You're trying to. What? What is the? What are you trying to accomplish? If we want to be consequentialists about it, all you're accomplishing is you going to prison and abortion still being legal in the United States. I feel. And, well, and one dead doctor who commits abortion. I feel. But, yeah. I, I feel. You're a murderer yeah. too. I mean, right? I I feel bad. No, yeah, but and I don't. An evil act as you've well. You committed something bad. Yeah. I hate murder, so I'm going to go kill someone. What? <clears throat> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Make <laughs> I guess sense. that's the answer to the question. I'm just saying that it, it, it I'm sorry, <laughs> I can't drink wine. I'm on keto. What What does the keto diet consist of? No carbs. This isn't. This is a wine. This isn't carbs. Wine has carbs. <laughs> what doesn't have carbs? Uh, water. Water and uh, let's see, meat. Uh, things that do have carbs obviously are breads, you know, rice, bread, cheese doesn't have carbs, mayonnaise doesn't have carbs, it's just fat, but it's not carbs. Oh, okay. So, I, I, I at the end of the semester, I'll commit to that. <clears throat> I like cheese sticks. I like you sticks. Love cheese. <clears throat> the I other like night, I know. ate six cheese sticks six in front of her. Of okay, I'm not advocating for this, but I'm there's just a part of me that says. This is this sounds so evil, but there's a part of me that says you're mad at. Injustice. I don't feel. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, I'm mad at injustice, and the, there's a part of me that doesn't feel 100 percent sorry that that would happen. I feel like an evil person saying that, but to me, it seems justified in some manner. All right, <clears throat> another hypothetical scenario. Well, that's actually a real scenario. I think you'd have to say. Um, 
the part of you that doesn't feel sorry for that is because you're you're angry at the injustice, but it would be a, a further injustice for somebody just to murder in cold blood a abortion doctor. And that that is very hard to justify, even in most extreme circumstances. Yeah. You tried everything else and can it go with the same as the death penalty though? Because the Catholic Church warrants the death penalty, right? If they're like in very certain circumstances, one is like if the person cannot be found and they have an intention of killing more people. That is warranted, right? The pastoral judgment of the magisterium currently is no on the death penalty. Yeah. I thought that wasn't St. Francis one that based based on the dignity of the person, right? Wasn't there some whole thing about that? Pope Francis? The yeah, Pope current. Francis. Well, Pope Francis's no. judgment on some things makes me scratch my head, but <laughs> currently the church in a document that espouses the official teaching of the church it says that it is impermissible, I believe is the language for today. Now, is that I my interpretation that's a pastoral judgment for this particular circumstance, it's not a judgment on the death penalty on principle, but my understanding is that is what it's teaching right now. Not like Doctrinally, whatsoever, but pastorally. I could have sworn that the there was warranted warrant through the death penalty, but I mean, I don't know. Yeah, not anymore. So uh, you, this is 1943, and you are in Dusseldorf, and you're hiding Jews in your house. Dusseldorf. <laughs> what a great name. Yeah, I just pulled that German name out of the hat. <laughs> it's in Willy Wonka, isn't it? Isn't that where Augustus Booth is from? Dusseldorf. <laughs> I think so. It Dusseldorf. sounds like it it's got to be a real place, please. It sounds I think it is. like I think it, it is. sounds like the name if you just if you wanted your kid to have a stupid name and be and like ridicule at school. Hey, what's up, Dusseldorf? <laughs> Dusseldorf. <laughs> what's up, That's Dusseldorf? Awesome. That's awesome. Anyways, what were you saying? You're hiding Jews in your house. Hell yeah, brother! Nazi guy um, knocks on your door. And you know he's going to find him. Christoph Waltz. <laughs> yeah. Knocks on your door and you open the door and it's him and another soldier. And you have your brother behind you and you're both armed, but they can't see. They say, hello, we'd like to take a little inspection. Nine, nine, nine. What's that accent? I don't know. That, that's some sort of weird <laughs> French like, accent. Are you justified to murder both of them if you think you can hide their body and be fine? <sighs> of course you're not. Of course it's not justified. No, no, of course it is. Well, 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 I don't know. Well, uh, look, maybe not of course. Look, look, <laughs> look. I think it is. If it is a Nazi. <sighs> so the Nazis are. I don't, maybe I'm the contradicting Nazis are systematically myself. annihilating Jews. You're hiding Jews. They pose a mortal threat. You have protection of them in your house. You know if you kill them and and um, bury their bodies that you'll be safe. But I don't know if I'm contradicting myself or not. But I, I guess I guess that there are more extreme circumstances than others. And that might have some say in the judgment. Like you're saying, back in World War II or whatever, German soldiers come in, you know they're going to annihilate those Jews. Is it okay to kill them? Now, it is okay, right, if it's in self-defense. That's warranted. There is a distinction to be made between <clears throat> using lethal force in self-defense and intentionally setting out to kill someone. Yeah. Because there's That's a difference true. between I need to act now so I will fire three rounds and then he dies. That's the use of lethal force. Yeah. As opposed to I am here and I want to kill this person. That's an intentional act. Of yes. Killing. Okay. That's there, where the distinct, distinction. That's where the distinction comes in. And I think that when I was when I was saying I was questioning, I wasn't saying that I was right or wrong. Obviously, but yeah. what I was saying is when I question if that's if, I question people that would question that to say that's uh, bad. You know what I mean? But 
it's just it's so circumstantial it's hard to break it down because like you were saying the jew thing you kill those german soldiers you save those jews and possibly yourself you're saving yourself and i think this is where it comes down to is like you killing that doctor that's not saving yourself literally you know what i mean it's not like if you kill him, the do- doctor doesn't pose a mortal threat to you. And he wasn't posing a threat at the time either. He was in church. Yeah. <clears throat> well, man, imagine that. Yeah. <clears throat> Being an abortion doctor that goes to mass. That's sick. That's wild. You told me, I've never forgot this. And, you know, you told me that, you know, receiving the Eucharist in mortal sin, you, you told me this, these exact words, it is the ultimate blasphemy. You eat and drink your own destruction. That's from mm-hmm. one of the epistles, right? Remember there was a story of it was back in like mid 1800s where everyone was trying to like one up each other on their atheism and um especially like you know what I'm talking about late 1800s that type of like Nietzsche feel um is in Paris and there were the two oh. French intellectuals who um you know grew up catholic like everyone grew up catholic in France get baptized you receive the Eucharist you get catechized and when they got older they're like we're too smart for Catholicism now, right? We're, we're French atheist, you know, all this type of stuff. <laughs> and, um, That's a pretty good accent, Alex. Atheist. You have to, yeah. Jean-Sacroix. Uh, okay. So he, you know, one of the guys was like, I, you know, the French intellectuals are talking to each other. And he, one one of them says like, I, I really want to be fully atheist, but I still have parts of me that like, I feel like I still believe. And the other atheist said, um, I want you to go do a really heinous act, like a really bad thing. And then I want you to go to mass afterwards and receive the Eucharist <laughs> and, and be thinking, I don't believe this. And then you won't have any qualms anymore. Holy Lord. <clears throat> That's scary. Yeah. I mean, you can't, there's just some transitions that you can't even comprehend. I mean, a transition like that, you go kill somebody and then you're willing to receive the Eucharist. I don't even know that that is so bad. There's nothing worse than that. I think, I don't know. It's just, it's overall all a sad situation. That's what it is. Really? The, you know, taking somebody's life, that's so sad. And like you said, sometimes it is justified, sometimes it's not. And just, but endless of, you know, regardless of that, the end result is a life taken, right? And that is something that we should not be happy about. We should be sad about, right? Because God has given dignity to every human life, every life. And it is very sad when one of those lives have to be taken. You know what I mean? So we shouldn't be proud about any of this. I know some people that are proud that we dropped the bombs on Nagasaki and Hiroshima. Some people are proud of that because they, okay, American pride. We did it. We ended the war, but just go watch the movie grave of the fireflies where this little Japanese boy who's like eight years old, his basically is in this radioactive area. And he has his little sister that's dying and then she dies and then he has to put her in a box and he sends her down the river. You can never comprehend that. And you shouldn't be happy about something like that. Japan holds this ceremony every year that commemorates the people who died in Nagasaki and Hiroshima. One lady died. The bomb, the the wave went so quickly that her shadow was left there. Her freaking shadow. 
you can still see it to this day, her walking in this motion. It's sad. It's sad in any, in any circumstance. I don't think, like I said, I don't think we should be happy about anything like that. I think that we should realize what happened. And I guess to some extent in our lives, be thankful that we don't have to pursue something because something else happened. It's just the reality. It's the reality of what it all is. And I think this is really what it comes down to. Like this country was found, if you think about it, off of bloodshed. Really think about it. Mm -hmm. This country is found off of bloodshed. We are proud that we are a United States citizen. I mean, I am. I'm thankful that I'm able to practice my faith in this country without other people reaming me for everything. You know what I mean? A lot of other places you can't do that. And some in some places it does happen. There's persecution, obviously. But that's just how life is. I think one of the biggest things for me to accept is that I can't change everything in life. As much as I want things to happen, I can't say abortion be gone tomorrow and it's going to happen because that'll never happen. The biggest thing for me is like accepting life as it comes to me and working with that because that's really what we can do. Yeah, and you can pray. You can pray. Yeah, I, I can't remember who I was reading. It was a quotation of someone, which is useless. But, uh, right, that one. Yeah, that, that, that guy. That guy, that someone. Guy. Yeah, right. yeah. I think it was a guy, too, so that narrows it down about what? 50, 50, 50, 50 yeah. like 51, 49. No, it was something along the lines of we recognize that you can't control everything, so control what you control, live well within your sphere of influence. Do yep. good, how yep. you can do good. Buy game That's stock. how it works. Oh <laughs> Buy game, Buy no, game but another stock. thing too is like going back to that freedom thing to kind of like wrap it back around is like the, like you said, the power of prayer. And like there's so much freedom in prayer and like letting go of trying to be in control of everything. And there's mm-hmm. such a freedom in that. Like actually my word of the year is freedom. Um, of just letting go of all of those different things that like generally hold you down and like, and everything else. And so like, whether it's, yeah, the whole GameStop thing or the stock markets or the censoring or, you know, all the craziness in this world, like it all, you know, it's a fake sense of freedom. Um, and so again, like we, we cannot have control over the entire universe. You know, we can't have control Darn. over, you know, exactly. Right? <laughs> Damn, man. <laughs> like, I want this magic ball. Yeah, you haven't heard my super <laughs> villain plot yet. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, you can't have control over the fact that this doctor is performing all of these, you know, abortions or you can't have control over the fact that abortions are even a thing, you know? And so, like you're saying, there's so much power in prayer. There's so much power in, like, the freedom that comes with prayer and just being able to control, like you were saying, John, like, what's right in front of you what you can't control or like the same mother Teresa you know like she was just doing those little things but with great love and she you know that's all she did and she's impacted not only just Catholics but the entire world you know and like every I mean anybody knows her name front, and front times of rolling you know stone. what I'm saying but she wasn't living to try and control or change the world like but by her littleness and like you know the the action she did she she impacted so many um so I don't know the realization of our realm of control. Yeah. And where the true sense of freedom lies and that prayer is a huge part of it and allowing God to still be present, um, even in a very non-Christian, uh, culture. Mm. So what we're called to do as Catholics, man. And on a serious note, seriously, like to evangelize and work hard to convert this country because God knows where it's going to go now with Biden. And Biden just put up a picture of Pope Francis in the Oval Office. Did he really? Makes me want to cringe. 
I mean, I've cared very, very little about all the discourse about Biden's interior decorating, but <laughs> you know, it's you know, all every president, every president has, I don't know. They're like, I don't know what you call this, but they have like a symbol that they put in their office. And Trump's was like the Lay's bag of chips. You know that? What? Yeah. So <laughs> it was a tight race between Lay's chips it's and American. a Big Mac. <laughs> he, put, he put this picture up. Okay. Somebody replaced, I don't know if it was Reagan or something, but Trump put up this picture in his room because he's American, right? This Lay's <laughs> company. <laughs> Lay's company. <clears throat> Trump Soon not to be. <laughs> I'm sure they're going to put him in prison. I don't know. Anyways, Trump as a Russian agent would be the biggest twist. Oh, he had his own thing. Awesome. He put up a picture of like a Lay's chip. In his in his office, like so America cool. chips, baby. Right, right where uh, Biden put the Pope for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Biden replaced Lay's potato chips with the Pope. <laughs> Good uh, evidence. Uh, what do Francesco, I know? Man. What do I know? All I know is that I know nothing, and I didn't write that in my philosophy paper. No, they probably would have liked it if you did. <laughs> they're, they're all about it, Socrates. Oh, I definitely did. <laughs> I definitely did that once. <laughs> oh man. True sense of freedom. Bread, Robin, yum, yum. yum. <laughs> That's a Washington you, company. Do you think we've gotten any better at podcasting? In <laughs> I think half? we have. I think we have. Seriously, I don't know. I, I think we I have. Think so I think we have. We, we got more listeners. Jocelyn, thank you for that. She's worked hard. Well, I don't. Where the heck is Carrie and all this? Carrie's gone. He graduated. He, graduated. he left no, I think, us. I think online. one thing that's really improved is just like. I mean, granted, I hadn't listened to all the ones in the past, right? And I've only known you guys for a few months. Man, you got to go back to some of those. Oh, but like <laughs> one not. thing is like, I mean, the amount of like amazing guests that, you know, have been on. And that's true. Like, I mean, I don't know. There's been some really crazy ones where I'm just like, where is this going? But like, you know, it's it's pretty decent. I think one of my <laughs> favorites was that military guy that served in oh, Iraq. Yeah, oh, yeah, Steve. Steve. Oh, Steve. What a legend. Dope dude, man. We need Father Dave on. <clears throat> Besides his birthday two days ago. Yep. Just don't have him listen to any of the other podcasts before <laughs> yeah, he comes well, on. This is the yeah. first ever show of the Kellen and Alex show featuring uh, Father Dave Pivanka. Season two. Season two. <laughs> yeah, uh, some people do seasons. Uh, maybe we should. I don't know. <laughs> Ours is just like 50 whatever we're at. Yeah. You know? Just imagining him. He's like, okay, I'll be on your show. He looks you up, listens to an Oga. Oh. <laughs> BLM and Biden's demise. <laughs> these, guys, these guys went to Franciscan, man. I'm doing something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like, Let me um, not I don't. I wonder if Father Dave would get pissed that we use some foul language sometimes. I bet you he wouldn't care. I don't know. <laughs> do, you, do you think he'll start using some? Foul yeah, language? I hope. Uh, yeah. No, I'm Carlo I don't. Rizzi, no. <laughs> Father, we're not leaving until this is, this is gone. gone. We have locked We've the done doors. That We've locked the doors. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I don't think Father. Will, but <laughs> no, but I'm telling you, man, barter. <laughs> we, we've been covering i remember some of our early so the um remember the hong kong protest back holy we first, lord that a was a long time ago, time 2019 ago. Whatever. i think i listened to that in germany <clears throat> did you really yeah i'm pretty sure <laughs> that's right yeah. you i went to that. germany yeah, yeah. i used Would to you, watch your live wait wait wait, 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 wait wait were you in austria while you're doing that yeah yeah oh you gotta be kidding me <laughs> that's right yeah you were in no austria. i think i was in like a multi-person hostel room in <laughs> munich listening to that <laughs> baby yeah. Dude, let's international international audience. Whoa! Well, wow, the the outro up. played right when we uh, it's symbol. kicking we us off. Right, up. it's like the yeah, Oscars it's like playing you off. Yeah, <laughs> playing burr, us off. We wrap uh, we'll, 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 we'll wrap it with that. But um, one last thing. Um, started with GameStop, Wall Street, American Empire. Take what we're seeing with a grain of salt too, because 
There's a lot I, I have no idea about. A lot that I still need a lot to learn speculative. about this. A lot of it's speculative. Um, the whole, like, America's not left-right. It's insiders versus outsiders. I still pretty much believe that. And um, there's a lot we don't know about what's going on. And- I think I'd agree with that to some extent. Yeah. Right. And I... Don't don't take my uh, the identification just like you know uh, the church is not all Catholics you know Catholics make some mistakes or whatever I I'm not saying the American Empire when I'm saying that like I'm not identifying that with particular soldiers who have good motivations CIA mm-hmm. agents who have good motivations or or regular average Americans who have good motivations about working hard and working ethically it's the corruption at a, a systemic yeah, level system, or whatever. Yeah. That's um, really what all Americans should be attentive to and realize, not just be naive about it, like there's a lot of bad stuff going on and we should be attuned to what's happening. Otherwise, it will have repercussions for us. Well, yeah, that's uh, another important thing is like it's our duty as Americans to be involved, right? To be aware of things. To be aware of things, That's also how you involve prayer because it's good to pray specifically for things. You know, it's like in the Lord's name, I pray for, you know, whatever. You know, it's good to be aware so that we know how to uh, act in our lives. I was a little taken, and I know that this is, I don't know if this is controversial or not, but you know, in the prayers of the faithful at mass, we pray for President Biden like, man, it just sounded weird. Oh, to me, it just sounds so weird. Every time and I know I maybe like, oh, we prayed for it, Trump for four years. I, yeah. We but, always want to pray for the person in power. Oh, definitely. Yeah, that's a good point. It just to me, I don't know. It sounded it a little so, weird to me. It sounds so weird to hear his name, President Biden. The, the fact that they even name it, you know, name it, I'm just thinking. We pray for our president. You know, and here we pray for President Biden. I know it's the same person, but it just I don't hits know. It, harder it hits it harder. It hits it really hard. I can't believe it. I still can't believe Neither it. Neither can I, know. And there's not going to be enough stuff to get Trump back into office, but he's going to run again in 2024. Unless the Senate find some guilty in which case he'll be barred guilty to what he didn't do anything <laughs> we'll see what is what is, we'll see what he's happens. guilty Sh- show them a show of force his then guilty they go and raid the capital he's no guilty. yeah yeah they're I mean, gonna try honestly, to get him melania and trump of- melania and trump condemned that when that happened well she's not on okay. trial he is <laughs> Guilty of being the best president ever. Maybe besides maybe besides Rinkin <laughs> and, and, Le- and, Rinkin and Reagan. Okay, let's cut this part. Alex. And Alex Before we show. get uh, banned by our tech overlords here at Apple Podcasts, Thank Spotify, you, Jocelyn. wherever Thank you, you John. this podcast. Jocelyn and John, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Oh, yeah. And that's going to wrap it up for us. We will see you next Peace time. Peace out. Peace. If there's a Christian religion, then it's Catholicism or nothing. What politics actually is art of people living together orienting one another towards virtue and the person was like dude flirting is the abortion of love this is the most worthy most exciting most adventurous drop a nuke uh, on the franciscan bubble the kellen and alex show God could have stopped it. If Permissive will. That's right. <laughs> I don't know why God would allow something like that to go through. But then again, God allows God allows you to go to... on and on. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> Truth, okay. <laughs>